Good morning, YouTube, and welcome to another edition of Texas Sports Unfiltered. I'm your host, Bucky Godbolt, and it is Monday, September 25th, and I am greeted and welcoming, that's right, it's Adam Wagner. I will not have BK with me this morning, and folks, BK is having his day of atonement, and believe me, he will be spending absolutely hours upon hours atoning today in, in his temple I don't know if a day is enough for that dude, Wags. I think it's going to take him a little bit longer, but I am happy to be joined by Adam Wagner this morning. Wags, are you doing okay? I'm doing fantastic, sir. How are you doing, Buck? It's great doing. to be here. Good to be in here for uh, to spell BK while he's out there partying with Mel Kipper. No, he's, he's not partying. He's sacrificing things. He's sacrificing, like my puppy, he just told me. He's, he's, uh-huh. he's sacrificed my wife's dog, he said, if that thing starts yapping again, but... It is good to have you on board, and and what a Monday it is, and and it's been quite a, a weekend of college football, and of course, um, uh, NFL football. But I got to say good morning to the soldiers at Fort Cavazos, Texas, the soldiers in the state of Texas, and all those that fight for us each and every day all over this wide, wide world of sports and more. Thank you so very much, and Wags, as usual, thank you for your service also. Absolutely, I don't know how these gentlemen and, and ladies that serve our country do it down here in Texas, man. It's 110 degrees out here. I remember how hot it used to be when I was in North Carolina and Hawaii, man. And hell, you know, it feels hotter here than it does in Iraq and Afghanistan some of the times, dude. I don't even know how you just do regular days of training here in 115 degree heating. And you got to wear the uni, right? You can't, you can't put on a pair of shorts, can you? No, you got to wear all camis, man, all the time. All the time, all, all the, time. the time. And it just smells great down there, oh, let me tell you. Oh, my goodness, man, oh, <laughs> Good man. Good morning, everybody. Thank you guys for joining us on BK and Bucky, man. Yes, indeed. Texas sports unfiltered. And what a week went, weekend, Wags. There was a domination all over the place. The Texas Longhorns, of course, dominate. The Baylor Bears, 38-6. to six. Uh, the Oregon Ducks dominate prime and the Colorado Buffalo. A little bit of a wake-up call up there, huh? Yeah, no doubt about it. The Dallas Cowboys get dominated by the Cardinals. The Miami Dolphins. I thought the Cardinals were supposed to lay down. I know. They're not. They're not. No. They're, they're, they're in it to win it. Uh, the, the Miami Dolphins don't dominate. They destroyed the Denver Broncos. Four touchdowns between the two running backs. Of course, one of the touchdowns came as a tu- as a, a screen pass or a, or a catch and, and pass uh, yep. from Raheem Mostert there. But still, all four or the, the two running backs sharing four touchdowns apiece, man. Eight touchdowns between the two of them, man. And, of course, the Texans get their first win over playoff bound last year, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Texans. And C.J. Stroud looked fantastic in their first win on Sunday. That's some, some good football over the weekend. But uh, getting back to the, to the main deal, and that would be the Baylor Bears being dominated by the Texas Longhorns. And a lot, a, a lot to be taken from this football game. I thought it was a Texas team that went up, wags, and decided that they were going to dominate. They look like a, they look like a championship team in all levels yeah. except for punt returns. That's punt returns and some special teams miscues by the Texas Longhorns. Other than that, it's hard to get after them anywhere. Right. It's hard to get after them with the defense to talk bad about them on defense. Offensively, they did everything they really wanted to do, kind of from the get go, and it was it was it was great to see that. It really, really was. See, they played all three phases on Saturday, and it looked now looked. I know we're gonna get a little bit of a hiccup because of the three month punts and you know losing two of them, but Worthy had a great return there on special teams, so that was a really good facet of uh 
of special teams that actually came out to fruition, man. I thought the Longhorns played well. When you can beat up on the cupcakes like you're supposed to beat up on, it starts to feel just a little bit right, doesn't it, Buck? Yeah, it does. And, I mean, with the quarterback that they had in there, they were, they were going to struggle anyway. I mean, they were missing. Shaven didn't play. Yeah, you know, Robinson was not – he was everything we thought he was going to be. You know, he was not up for that level. And, and you know, when they brought the young quarterback in uh, from local here, I thought – Oh, uh, RJ. Oh, RJ Martinez. Start, you know? Dude, he's got so many different arm slides, too. He can sling that sucker, man. And for me, Buck, the I don't know when Shapin comes back, but for the next two weeks, you got to sure. think that it's RJ's offense. I, I would believe so, too. Martina, this is his, that was a great opportunity for him to get in the game. Should have gotten that game a little bit sooner. So, yeah, I, yeah maybe started the, start. the second half. The maybe they thought that Robertson, just after that deep ball, he looked decent delivering yeah. that deep ball and tried to maybe go with him just a little bit more. But, yeah, I thought you, you had to give him the hook just a little bit earlier and bring in RJ, man. Yeah, 38-6 to six and how they scored six, I'll never know. You know, I picked in a pre pregame show over at the Covert out in B Cave. I picked Texas to win 40, uh, 40 to 9. Oh, yeah. And it was – I, like I said, I don't even know how this group got six. Quit, I, didn't, quit I didn't understand the spread all week long, Buck. I think it started at 13 and then went up to 14 and a half and then, oh, and then finally 15, hit 16. 15, 15 and 16 at kickoff, and it wasn't it wasn't really even close. I mean, it it was a it was a total total domination. And when you watch Quinn Ewers, you know, 18 of 23, 293 yards of TD and a 29-yard run yeah. around the corner. That was nice. That was nice to see. I had I had just said in the pregame show that I thought he's even a guy who had lost a bunch of pounds still didn't look as swift in the pocket at times. You know, when he got a little pressure, he didn't step in. He wasn't as smooth looking. But I thought he did some things, you know, really, really well in that football game. The slant route for a touchdown to Worthy, his foot was pointed dead at Worthy. That left foot was pointed there. He didn't – it wasn't just an arm throw. It was great footwork to get that ball in that tight spot for Worthy to catch the touchdown and – like I said, there was not a lot you could say about this Texas Longhorn football team uh, that you can that you can pick at. I thought they ran the ball well. There was no doubt about uh, Jonathan Brooks, 18 carries, 106 yards, the long 40-yard run. This dude almost averaging six yards a clip. C.J. Baxter getting an opportunity to get into the football game. Wags was – it was good to see. But on his very first carry, he came up limping again. I mean, he came up lame. And I'm like, dude, you, you, you can't keep coming up lame every time you touch the football – but one thing about him was I had said before the season started, there will come a time for C.J. Baxter Wags in the, in the football season that he's going to take that college hit, and then he's going to understand what college football is about. He got that against Baylor. Yeah. There was, a, there was a, a, a linebacker that slid off, slid off uh, behind a defensive lineman that got him dead in the hole and stuffed him and sent him to the ground. And that was his college hit for him to understand it's no longer high school. And you're gonna to have to you're gonna to have to take hits like that all the time in college football. You're gonna to have to shake it off, go off the field, Absorbent. come back on, and get ready to play. And he did just that. He then scored a touchdown with a nice little run uh, towards the corner after that hit. But he got that hit that I've been waiting for him to get. So Woke he understands this is a little bit different than playing high school football in Florida. That hit finally came right. and it came against the Baylor Bears. But I liked it. So do you remember – I don't remember for the life of me Bajan Robinson taking a hit like that. I always remember him slipping and sliding. You always talk about this. You rave about it, how a good running back never gets squared up for a hit. He's always able to slip out of it and take a little bit of a slide and fall forward. It seems like Bajan's done that for the past three years, and he's doing that at the pro level too. Yeah, I mean, you you get that uh, – uh, like I said, you get that eventually in the game. 
I don't recall what game it was, but Bajan's had his. I mean, the big guys, they all get they all get it eventually. Ricky Williams has had his, but he he delivered more blows than he took. Right. But but as a freshman, he got his hit too, where somebody slid off and you're vulnerable to a hit and you just don't see it coming. And that's what happened on Saturday. He CJ Baxter got one where where a linebacker slid from behind a defender and they were both in the hole, but CJ uh, he never saw it coming. And he got stoned. He really, really right. did. But he, you know what he did? He popped up. He came back in the game and scored a touchdown. But now he understands this is how they hit. This is what they do. I mean, this was a fabulous game. This was also a game that uh, Jatavian Sanders got an opportunity. Five catches, I think he had for about 100 and, uh, 110, 111 yards in the game. And Sark got him involved early in the, early in the contest. The wide receivers caught almost – they almost averaged 18 yards a clip from the receivers to the tight ends. But – this was Sanders' opportunity, and this was a great opportunity uh, for Sark to get him involved early. I mean, he got him involved in a run. He got him involved in, in a passes down the field early in the football game. And I watched him from that point on when he started – when he caught his first pass in the game and some fantastic catches and, and run after the catch. But when I saw him get involved early, I watched the way he played late in the football game when it came to, to run blocking. He was into it. And, and this is how you get one of your stars involved. You don't – wait till the third and fourth quarter to throw him a pass, get him involved early. And he got involved early and he was there late for the, for the horn. So this was a, this is a full out Texas um, throttling. It, it really was. They dominated. And we saw the comment just a minute ago with, from Jay Ward, uh, definitely got to get the muffed punts under control. If that's the thing that we're taking away from this game, if we're looking for something to be really picky and petty on, and we're just pulling away that, we're in pretty decent shape, Buck. Yeah, we're not yeah. talking about how the how bad interior line play was, or how Quinn's overthrowing and being inconsistent with his footwork. We actually talked about how great he looked. So we're looking yeah. okay, and we're beating up on the cupcakes. And that's yeah. when you start to get the really good feeling, right? Texas gets up for Alabama. We know that. But how does Texas play when they go up up, up against an inferior opponent? You know, and especially this looked great. Setting the tone for conference play going into the Big 12. I like it, Buck. Got Kansas coming up next week. We'll hear from Sarkin just a little bit. But overall, what was your takeaway from the defense? Being able to come out there on the base front, still having gap assignment, not showing too much of their hand, and still looking like they were a dominant defense. Buck. I thought Jalen Ford looked fantastic in this football game. I mean, I, I love the way he plays the game. I mean, he's just got that natural sense of where the ball is going to be, where it's going to bounce out to. But – um I also thought Benda played well. Number yeah. 33 showed up an awful lot. In all over place. And he's not quite as flexible as Ford, but he's a physical guy. He's a big guy that can, can control those gaps. And I thought he did. I, I He looked and played well, I thought. I saw, you know, I, I, I was hoping that I would see more of the big guy in 95. I, I thought I'd see Collins. more. Of him. Yeah, you know what? So, he, had, he had one solo tackle, but I did see him on film. He was around the piles. I, I, I know people. I know people are going to say, "Well, he had one tackle. He had one solo tackle in the game. And in a game like that, you would think you'd had six or seven tackles." But he did show up on film. It wasn't that when when you saw the piles, he was there. He wasn't right. off to the side somewhere. He was around where the contact was. He had one solo tackle. I mean, not a lot of assists, but when I see him on film, that makes me feel good. It makes me think that he's getting to the ball and trying to find ways to get to the ball. Now, the, the, the secondary was fabulous. They had one speedster on their team. They weren't going to, you know, they weren't going to, they weren't going to do anything. They weren't going to, the one long pass down the sideline. Right. Other than that, great pass, great catch. But other than that, nothing was going to happen for this group. Yeah, it really we, wasn't. 
we talked about how Jackson was going to be one of their their dominant wide receivers coming in, but we thought that Baylor would try and run the ball, and they they did. They tried to establish the run. They started getting down there into the red zone, and then how about you just talked about him, Ford, man, in his linebacker position, playing that hook-to-curl zone tremendously, dude, inside the five there, sliding his sliding his uh, his assignment, his wide receiver going through his zone, and then allowing himself to get back into his hook-to-curl drop within three to four steps, man, and taking away that passing lane and keeping the uh, keeping the Baylor Bears out of the end zone, man, holding them, holding them to just six. No touchdowns on the night. Looked great, man. Ford is probably – I would say Ford's definitely the best linebacker of the core, but I didn't think that this linebacking core would be this impressive going into this year. I mean, you knew that Anthony Hill would be a tremendous true freshman, but the assignment that he had on Milrow in Alabama being able to spy him basically the entire game and then – you know, comes out in Wyoming has a dominant game as well, all over the all over the field. This this linebacking core, Buck. I don't want to say that they're the best in the Big Twelve, but man, they're making a run for it. Man, they're probably top three at the moment. No, no doubt about it. You can always hit us up on the text line five one two 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 nine three two eight. Adam Wagner joining me this morning. BK will not be here. Adam will be here for an hour. Then my doctor, Doc Trey, will join me this morning, and he'll see some things in this football game maybe we've missed. But I'll say this, Wags. One thing about this these guys and these punt returners, that'll lose you a championship. Yeah. It'll lose you a championship game. You got to, you got to fix that. I mean, coach Banks has got to find a guy who can trust. And it's all about trust back there right now. They seem to trust these, these veteran guys, but do sometimes these veteran guys drop regular passes that hit them in the hands, much less a ball going end over end and sideways and all different types of ways, but you can lose a championship by dropping muffing a bunch of punts and dropping punts, you know, Jordan, you got to do the little things right, they Buck. If you don't do the little things right, they, you know, you can't do the big things right. The little things always take care of the big things. That's what my coach used to say. Well, is your heart really in it? Do you really want to be back there? Does Xavier Worthy really want to be back there returning punts? Let me tell you something. Somebody, they see the way he plays right there. A team that's looking for to be a part of this championship. I mean, I'm worried about him when you get uh, when you go up to Dallas. I'm worried. I'm worried about him every time he goes back yeah. there. He doesn't get to the point where the ball is going to come down. He's always flying to get to a ball. Running up to it. It's like he's running up to the ball, right? He's Instead never, of just kind of cruising to a ball, yes. And, and guys, I'm going to tell you, you keep losing punts like this. I mean, I, I can feel as a football fan sitting down watching the game, I can imagine what the other fans, Texas fans, feel like when it's when it's fourth down and Xavier Worthy or any of these guys are back there. It doesn't. It's not comfortable for you as a fan. I mean, that's what you like. That's what you like when you have guys back there that you can go – and you can go get something out of the fridge and come back and know that you got <laughs> you know the you're ball. gonna have the ball still. No, no, with this group, you sit there and you're going, Oh my god, please catch it. You know, and it's not like don't let it bounce, it's almost like let it bounce. I mean, I've, I've I had somebody on Saturday tell me, Here's what you need to do get the fastest guy on your team, put him back there on fourth down. When they punt, have his ass run directly to the bench as fast as he can and let the ball bounce. Don't even go near the ball, just let it bounce. If it bounces, away from two, it. I mean it. But you can't play football. You can't play scared like that. It's it's a scary feeling for the fans. I know it's got to be scary for the teammates. I mean, those guys that are standing there on the sideline have got to be going when his where their teammate goes back there for on fourth down to catch a punt. You have got to be almost crapping in your pants oh, yeah. as a player on the team because I mean, as a defensive player, if you work so hard to get a three and out and it's fourth down, and now you're standing on the sideline, you're going, "Oh God, please just catch the ball." That's not a good way to feel if you're a championship team. Now, the, the kid who caught the, the long pass, Cooks, I don't understand why they're not making him their punt return. I'll spend yeah. all day long. That guy won't get to go to class if he's playing school. They won't get to go. He'll be back there catching jugs machine balls for me eight hours a day. 
he, I got to make him my, my, my punt returner. I got, he's got, he's a guy who, if he can catch it, he can go with it. And it's all the, if he can catch it. Right. And, and, right. and that worries me so much about this team in championship play. You can't, you, you just can't do that. That's, that's a huge part of the game. I mean, yeah, you got to clean that up. Hopefully they get that going up into, uh, into Kansas. I'm, I have a lot of optimistic and, and a lot of confidence that that they will clean that up. Uh, to me, Buck, the story of it was was allowing your playmakers to play to to make plays and oh, yeah. not take Quinn and you know try and have him you know be a superstar. Look, only one touchdown, but still no interceptions. And he did get that scramble right. That's a little bit of anomaly. I don't think he's that fleet of foot at just yet. I mean, he does look good and look comfortable, but it was like you said, it was getting JT Sanders involved early. Five receptions for this young man. He is actually the big X factor for me. I know Xavier Worthy Xavier Worthy has the X in the name, but if you can get Xavier Worthy in space and just let him create off the one-on-ones and stop trying to force it deep down the field like we did not do on Baylor, the yeah. natural the deep ball came naturally as it was predicated off of the short throws in between the hashes, right? After JT Sanders opened them up inside the hashes, then the deep ball started opening up vertically, and then you got it to Worthy, all right? And what you just said about having Worthy off the punt team, I agree with you 100%. I would like to have Worthy just focus on being a wide receiver, man. Dude, somebody's going to blow him up for 15 eventually. One of these and teams – got to stop well, coming – Somebody's going to blow him up and say, you know what? Let's just go ahead and take 15 and take this guy out of the game. He looks like he's frightened back there. And some team is some, somebody's going to say, listen, if you get close enough, don't make it obvious, but it, but just go ahead and, and throw an elbow into that or a shoulder into him on the way. Okay. We tr we're trying to win the game we can win the game. If he's out of the game. You because, saw what happened with Hunter. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's it, a football play, right? Yeah. That's that. This will be, this will when you have a guy that just doesn't he looks a little bit shaky. I'm gonna if I'm coaching, I don't like to be a dirty coach, but boy, I'm I'm thinking about something to go. I'm going by him at least and let him feel the breeze as I go by him. Because yeah, it's yeah. it's they, yeah. they've got they've got to fix that. That's a problem. I mean, I saw Keelan Robinson. That guy doesn't he doesn't miss kickoff. I mean, he a kickoff hit him in the chest and went down the field and he had to dive on it. So that's that's three, two fumbles lost, three fumbles, two loss in a football game. That you dominate a team, you know, uh, thirty-eight. You're, to lucky, six. you're lucky you didn't give up points off of it either, too. Absolutely, because so your defense comes right back in there and they do what they have to do. This defensive line and this this defensive unit all together it was good to see Jalen Catalan. It was good to see him, you know, make some big plays and big hits too. I mean, when he comes downhill, he comes downhill with a fury, and he and he laid the he laid the wood a couple times on some of these on this run game and this Texas this Texas run game. I know Sark has got to be. I know Sark has got to be happy for what he saw early in the football game with uh, Jonathan Brooks, who I think is, uh, I think he's one of the deceptive running backs in the country right now. When you look around the country, hard to find all these great running backs. Not a lot of them, but this guy right here is one of the guys that if you give him enough carries, he's going to make something happen. And does he have that legitimate speed? Yes, he does. Yeah. He really, yeah, he's got that breakaway speed. He also looks like he gets stronger as the game goes on, right? Yes, now, I don't he does. know if that's coming from Sark's uh, scripted playbook as he's, you know, a lot of high up-tempo, very fast, and then gets Brooks to lean on you and, and, and pound you, man. And it's like you said, at the end, towards the fourth quarter, Buck, about seven or eight yards per clip. Oh, yeah. He's, ride, he's ride that to daylight, baby. Yeah, he's, he's, really, he's really getting stronger as the game goes on. But when he's fresh early in the game, if he breaks loose, you're not going to catch him. There's not many guys that can catch this dude. As, as I said before the season, I wonder what was the missing link with this kid. I thought it was going to be 
just straight out speed. Well, he's got that as we've seen him. The straight out speed. If you make he if you if he's past you, he's gone. You're not catching up to him. You better be right beside him because if you're behind him, you're not going to catch up. You know, you may get in a foot race with a cornerback or something. They may be able to drag him down or get stiff arm to the ground. But boy, does he have some legitimate speed? He really, really does. And and that 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 combo now with C.J. Baxter getting oh, yeah. the hit that he needed to get for his college career, he's going to figure it out now too. And this is going to be this, these two are going to be tough. And this offensive line understands the run game now. I, I think I believe it's not just a pass a pass protection group, but it's a run group also. And, and Blue looks good, too. You talked about him and Spell. Only three totes uh, on Saturday, but still that three-headed hydra out of the backfield is there, and it is a, uh, it's a force to be reckoned with. Good change of pace between all three of the backs, but I think you're right, man. I think Jonathan Brooks, he is the bell cow out of this backfield right now. He solidified himself to me as running back number one. I like C.J. Baxter. I love him, but still a little dinged up with the injury-prone stuff. Feed the rock to Jonathan Brooks. We got some uh, some sound from Sark here. We'll get okay. into in just a couple of minutes. But also, he ta- he talks about the depth of the defensive line, like you were just talking about, and how they were able to rotate. But here's the opening statements from Sarkeesian. First of all, just just proud of our guys with the with the kind of week of work and the focus that they brought into the stadium tonight, and they came ready to play. And uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about how much we finished the last couple weeks um, and we wanted to start really well. And uh, I think, uh, you know, obviously defense, we really set the tone. Uh, I think we had three sacks right there early on the first couple drives uh, to create some really good field position. Um, You know, I thought our red zone defense was, was really incredible tonight. I think they were inside a red area five times and and came away with, with two field goals Um, offensively. It, it felt really good because we got back to being explosive. And it wasn't just the passing game. We, we got some explosive runs right off the bat with Jonathan Brooks, the, the long touchdown run right there. Um, and we found different people to create explosive plays. You know, JT, another 100-yard game with, with explosive plays. Jonte with a really big play on third down, third long there. Um, but I thought, you know, Quinn was efficient. We ran the ball well. Um, you know, obviously there's always room for improvement everywhere we look. And tonight – Happen to be on teams, you know. We 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 muffed three kicks, you know, two punts and one kickoff. Uh, so something that you know you, you get back to it, and those are three really reliable guys for us. So we just got to make sure that we continue to work. You know, as I, as I touched on with the players, you know, championship teams get better during the season, and I thought we got better this week, and we got better tonight. We played better football, but we still have room for improvement for things that that we need to work on and will work on. Um, because the games are only going to get more and more difficult as, as we move forward. Yeah, he's absolutely right. He's absolutely right, Wags. They just they keep getting better. But the little things that they're not good at right now, those are things that get in a championship. Trying to win a championship will get will hurt you. They've got to shore up those things. I mean, they, they do. The special teams isn't special right now. They're right. just okay. Yeah, he they're just called them teams. <laughs> yeah, they're just, they're just a, a third team to this. They're nothing special. There's nothing special about this special teams group right now. As a matter of fact, it makes you nervous more, more right. so than anything. And that's that's not good if you're if you're going to be a championship, you know, especially team. when he says that those were the three most reliable guys. Back yeah. There. Yeah. I mean, so it's it's it may be time to give somebody else an opportunity right. to be back there. You know, I mean that those are key those are key positions. So you've you've got to get if 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 those are your reliable guys that are dropping the ball, then you need to give somebody else another shot who can just 
become your reliable guy that not a, we're all not shaking in our boots about when they go back there. You know, it's but I, but what is reliable is the fact that when Quinn Ewers sets his feet and his footwork is good, he is fantastic. He has got quite the arm. He can take chances. He can put balls into tight windows, and he's not afraid to do it. But when his footwork is terrible, it's not going to happen. But I can only say that for the majority of the night, his footwork was phenomenal. It really, really was. And the fact that they get JT Sanders involved in the game early, it builds up the confidence in him. Sure. The run game builds up the confidence in him. When you keep the chains going, you really feel good about yourself. And that 29-yard run TD can't do anything but help his confidence right. going on from this, this point. It really, it really can't. That's where I think the the tail of the tape comes from for Quinn, right? Sure, he didn't blow it up and, and have, you know, crazy numbers through the air. He threw 300 yards, but only one touchdown, right? But right. when he gets going on the run game, right? We saw when he got um, Texas's first third down conversion against Alabama. That's when he started the lit. Uh, that's to me, that's when I thought he started to light Alabama up after he was able to get that almost like you talked about with. Uh, with Baxter, right? Getting your college lick, you know what I mean? Yeah. Getting getting the lick out of the way, right? Well, maybe Quinn needs one every game, but I thought the game plan that Sarkeesian had for him was fantastic. Allowed him to get into that rhythm that you were talking about. Allowed him to find that consistency that we've been talking about. He looked fantastic. Again, only one touchdown through the air, but his rhythm was there all night. His footwork was there. He was stepping into his throws, and he wasn't overthrowing the little bunnies that we saw in Wyoming, right? He looked like he was there. He looked like he was poised, and it looked like a complete offensive team. Now, we'll hear from Sarkeesian just in just a few seconds here on how he thought the depth of his defensive line was. Um, but, again, it's like we talked about. Come out there, have JT Sanders get some dominant work in, establish yeah. him early, get the flow going, and then that allows you to open up your one-on-ones with Whittington and Worthy. It certainly does. I mean, and, but it also allows that kid personally to be involved. If he's one of the best players, he's one of the best players you have, not only on your offense but on your football team, then get him involved and let him stay involved. He needs to be involved every quarter. This guy is so – he's so good. You know, he's like – I mean, the kid from Georgia at tight end, Bowers. Oh, they yeah. Get him, they get him involved from the second he puts on his uniform. And that's what has to happen with J.T. Sanders. you got to get him involved. And I thought they did on Saturday. And you could see that – you could see that feel, that, how it felt throughout the football team, and especially on the offense when he was involved early. So is Bowers still the number one tight end for you? Yes, no doubt. All right. Uh, but he's a, he's a but Sanders is pretty damn nasty, right? Like it. People ask me. We'll see me, what they do from this point on. We'll see how Sark treats treats the kid from from this point on. Will they continue to get him involved, or will the following game all of a sudden he catches two passes right. and you don't hear from him, Disappear. you know, at all? I, I, it's got to be it's got to be a consistent thing, just like the punt returns and the punt catches have to be consistent. Got to yeah. be in a spot where you're not worried about it. You know, it's just going to happen. Like the way this defensive line plays, I just know that they're going to be good. And I, I just know that guys like David Bender will get good, will get better each and every game. I'm watching David Bender kind of grow. And I'm going to tell you, he's not – you know, Ford has the hips, the movement, you know, the flexibility. Bender's a bigger guy. But I'm seeing he's playing to his strengths right he's now. Flying. He's flying to the ball, Buck. And the guy can fly to the ball. And he can move He can move offensive linemen. When he, when he hits, he's hitting a little bit of everybody. Oh, he's yeah. not going to get knocked off the ball by an offensive lineman. He's going to fight through – he's going to fight through a block. He's going to get to the to the running back. He's going to get to the wide receivers. But he goes sideline to sideline now. Like I said, he shows up all the time. And that's and that's what I – I mean, I like to see guys show up in film. They don't always have to make the tackle. But right. I always wonder, where's that Just number – the ball. Yeah, where's that number 95? I don't even see him in, in the film. 
you know, and I'm very fortunate because I get to see that on my 85 inch AV consultation, big screen TV wags, which is fantastic. That's Tom McKay. And they've got everything for the entertainment systems of your dream. That means you don't have to shop for TVs and surround sounds and then the mounts and equipment needed to make it all work. Tom McKay and his staff, they'll get to your home and they're one of the largest dealers of most television and audio brands and they have the hottest items in stock. You don't have to wait six weeks to get your stuff. You don't have to wait at all, as a matter of fact. It's right there for you. And the thing about Tom is with the smart TVs and the Sonos equipment that they have in stock, they're not going to jack up the prices on you. They're not going to hit you up hard for it. They're going to give you the best prices. You're not going to get the prices like you're going to get from Tom McKay at the big box stores. And they are the smart guys that don't make you feel stupid. Make the call today at 512-255-8678. It's audiovisual consultations. Love those folks. I sat there. Look at my paradise back there. They put my paradise together. I know you didn't do that by yourself. I did the no, I did the lights. Okay. I did okay. I did do the lights. Because I'm but looking they did for everything wires. else, man. I don't see any wires hanging out because I know if you did it, there'd be wires hanging out everywhere. And everything just, else. You know, electrical tape rolled up everywhere. Nah, man. Jesse and uh and uh JB Rare, as I like to call him, man. John, um John Buster came over and did my house, man. They did great work. Tom McKay and his crew, they always do the best, man. They they set the standard in audiovisual automation, that's for sure. All right, let's hear Sark on the defensive line and how depth, uh, how depth is definitely important here for the defensive line. It's it's huge, you know. And and like I said, you know, we we rotated a lot of guys tonight on defense again, and uh, you know that's a, that's a credit to the defensive staff of getting all those guys ready. Uh, the defensive front, you know, most notably, but shoot, you know, well, there was David Benda played well to go along with Anthony Hill had a really good game. Um, Derek Williams was in there, you know, had a, had a couple really nice third down stops. And so um, playing multiple people is only going to be beneficial for us, not only in game, but for the long haul. And so the fact that we can do that up front, uh, that, that's huge, that our guys can be fresh when they're in there and they can make plays at critical moments. Yeah, and they make, and they make plays, Wags, just like the first team guys do. You don't take this. There's no big drop off and you say, well, you know, there's a little bit of a liability in the game now. No, no, no. They walk into the games and they're confident, you know, their confidence in their training and they get right after it. And that's what I love because you know what they do? They treat these as opportunities. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's an opportunity. Yeah, when is an opportunity to play? Get yeah. some PT buckets, we like to say. Absolutely. Give me an opportunity and I'll show you what I can do. And and I saw David Bender doing just that. I saw Williams doing that in, in the game. It was a see, It was great to see Catalan with some of the big hits that he did, that secondary is 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 fantastic. You're, very seldom are you going to get behind those guys right now. And, and and by the way, it's hard for a quarterback to stand back in the pocket. It's hard. There's not many five step drops by anybody right now against this Texas defensive line. There's pressure in the quarterback's face. He's gonna they're gonna make you redirect your throws. I mean, th- this is what championship play is all about. I think the start to a championship started off on a good foot. On Saturday, it really, really did. They took the crowd right out of the game. They really, yeah, really did. The three and out. They, you know, letting uh, letting Baylor have the ball and then you know answering right there with a three and out. I wish they would have been able to plug it, you know, into the end zone after that three and out. But still, Buck, yeah. setting the tone on the defense, like you just said. What yeah, else I mean, did you like from the defensive line? I know we didn't see Collins too much on the uh, on the stat sheet, but you know, we we've raved about these linebackers being able to scrape and and, and fill and tackle freely. You don't do that without your defensive linemen like Sweat and Collins and company being able to absorb and take up the offensive line and allow those wide or allow allow the linebackers to scrape freely and make the tackle. Yeah, and and that kid Anthony Hill is just a monster running guys down. If he's not right at the point of attack, 
you're not going to outflank him because you're not going to get around him with his speed. He really is. He's going to be a special player here over the next couple of years. Hell, he may end up being a special player before the end of this football season. Oh, yeah. And as you said with Collins, it's just I wanted to I, w- I wanted to see him show up, and I saw him show up a lot. And that's why I was surprised he only had one tackle in the game. Seemed like he was around an awful lot. Yeah, plugging holes though, right? Make uh, yeah, forcing, sure. You know, forcing rerouted you know runs from the from the running back when you know when the holes getting stuffed up and clogged up in the middle there, forcing stuff to the outside, and then allowing linebackers to make the scrape and tackle there. I thought Collins played well. Of course, he's not gonna. He doesn't wow me as one of those players that's just going to dominate like an Aaron Donald does, but sure. he will be able to plug up and do some gap assignment stuff, like maybe a Tony Saragusa or something like right. that. You need him to you need him to do the basic things, the fundamental right. things, right? Because it just you know we've been waiting for years to see it. So, like to me, I thought I thought he had he showed up a lot. He showed up enough for me to know he's making some progress in what he's doing, and he's not going to start to disappear on you. He's going to start to play really really well for you, and that's that's what you're going to need from this point on. Because Kansas is a different, it's a different animal than what you saw at Baylor. Yeah. Baylor was awful. That was that was yeah. awful, awful football. And when you don't have a leader at the quarterback position, and you're searching, and guys are hurt, and you're bringing in the the second, the third string, and now you got to, you know, you're, now you're going to probably be looking at a a, a kid that tra- is transferring, a local kid that's transferring. He's going to get in there as a sophomore. They're going to have to do a lot of different things to win games at Baylor right now. I mean that that group right there, that was sad. That really was. I mean, we thought they were. We thought they'd get dominated, and they did. We just weren't sure. I mean, Texas fans are never sure what happens. But this team plays even better when they're on the road, away away from DKR. They really – they're, they're a different from, Maybe the Austin distractions are away from them, Buck, and they just get more focused and honed in when they're on the road. But, again, they bat, they battled excellent in Tuscaloosa, and they played well up in Waco. Uh, total yardage that they yielded, only 365. Only 365. Let's hear from Sark on the overall play of the defense. Well, I just I think we're pretty good, you know. Um, you know, it's been three years in the making of, you know, putting a putting a staff together, putting a scheme together, making adjustments to that scheme from year one to year two. Now year two to year three, I think we've added depth to that to that roster on the defensive side of the ball uh, on all three levels at the at the D line, at the linebacker, and then in the secondary. Um, I think we have really good veteran leadership on defense um, from front to back. Um, and then now what, what comes with that is confidence. You know, our offense and defense, we, we do a lot of good on good. And they have to defend us, too, every day in practice and throughout training camp. And, I, you know, there probably wasn't many days when I went into a press conference in training camp and I didn't say our defense had a really good day today, that our front had a really good day today. So, um, they're pretty good, and I think we can be better. That's the beauty of it. You know, we gave up a couple deep balls tonight that that we knew was was a point of emphasis. So we we got to get that cleaned up. Uh, but I I did love their resiliency, uh, especially in the low red and getting those stops tonight. No doubt. I mean, the, the kid Sweat is is fantastic. Jalen Ford. Those are the two leaders on that defense. Sweat and Ford are the anchors of what goes on. You know, within that you know that seven yard radius there. They're they're spectacular, and, and Sweat just moves the line. He moves the line of does, scrimmage. Dude, he just he owns ass, he, man. He owns that. He he really does. And and Byron Murphy, you know, slash tight end Byron Byron Murphy, you know, from the week before. Oh, yeah, he can get it done. He two way player. Two way oh, yeah. player. <laughs> he is a, a two. Don't tell me that. Don't say that anymore. <laughs> Do not put him in any longer at tight end. You know what? He he's there as a as a fullback in the goal line. I'm seeing that. Two-way player. He's a two-way player, Buck. Just Go like find Hunter. somebody on offense, will Just you? Just like Hunter. 
Go find a fullback. Come on. Dude, you really? know, so you know what I'm really loving from Sarki from this coach, then our previous coach. Everything that we do mess up on, he takes accountability on. He doesn't he does. try and throw it to the players. He doesn't say, Oh, well, we put our players in position. They just didn't make the plays. No, you hear a lot of accountability from Coach Sarkeesian about he and his coaching staff. And it really does start to start to show the leadership and how it carries down onto the gridiron, man. It does. Um, those, and those one more thing, Buck. He talked about how we're, you know, the young players are going against each other every day in practice and just getting sharper each time. And iron sharpens iron. And that is the only way to do it. And that's why you're starting to see the cream rise to the top. Well, yeah. I mean, his recruiting sharpens iron also. When you start to get these four and five star players, you know, these guys are good players. These are good athletes. All you need to do is guide them in the right direction and give them the kind of strength and conditioning that they need. Because the strength and conditioning coaches still need to get a lot of credit for what 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 is going on with this football team. Because there are some teams right now that are wiltering away in the fourth quarters. This has been a long, hot summer all over this country. And in the state of Texas, a little bit extra. So, I mean, I got I to gotta commend what, they, what they're doing strength and conditioning-wise. Whatever they're taking, whatever their hydration uh, regimen is, they're, they're doing well at it. Because a lot of these players, you know, I know they substitute a lot. But I'm looking at a lot of kids that look like they don't just need to come out. They, it's, right. it's nobody, I don't see anybody tapping their helmet yeah. and say, hey, coach, let me out of here. I need a break. No, no, no. They substitute them, but you don't see kids wanting out. I've seen kids at Texas that will tap their shoulders. They'll put their hands on their hips. They'll wave over to the coach, hey, get me out of here. I'm tired. I Yo, seen, Shelby, hurry. Yeah. Hey, quick, quick, come get me. Yo, no, Shelby, no. I need a ticket. I need to watch the game. No, man. You don't hurt. see that. You don't see that from these cats right now. All you see is guys that are willing to go right back and play another down and play another down. They're keeping them fresh, but I don't see guys tapping out. I just don't see it. You know, yeah. they, they just get in there and play. Jonathan Brooks wants to play every down. That dude it's does not. opportunity, Buck, because they know yes. now that they can get to the next level. It's not just a, you know, a, a game on the 40 acres anymore of, of, you know, intramural football or so it seemed, you know, at, you know, a couple of years back now it's championship caliber football, Buck. You love to see it. Um, we, we talked about how we went up there, issued the three and out and kind of shook McLean stadium just a little bit, tried to take a little bit of the energy out of the crowd, but then weren't able to capitalize when we got possession back a little bit slow start moving out there. Again, you started seeing Sarkeesian, uh, try to move the ball a little bit through the air. Now, it looked like that screen, the first play that we ran from scrimmage there, that little, you know, I guess wide receiver wheel out screen trying to get uh, – You mean the one, that they knew, the one that they knew was coming? Right, exactly. The one they knew was coming, and they got it for a loss, as a matter of fact. Um, again, I like that type of – I like that type of call and, and like the type of scheme. It almost like – it looked like it was an extension of the run. However, why go out and be cute? You know you got a running back like Jonathan Brooks. Just stuff it down the damn throat, Buck. Yeah, I mean, just if you want to run all time, if you want to toss sweep it, give him the ball for four yards. Right. He'll get you four if you just toss sweep on the opening play. I mean, they can rally to it all they want, but this kid's been able to 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 take a hit and on contact still get you two and three extra yards with his body lean and the way he runs the football, the way he gives that shoulder and slides around and makes himself little on contact. Uh, that was a little cutesy for me that – that little swing screen, because the minute he came back behind the quarterback, I said, oh, they're going to flip the ball out. That's the first thing I thought. This is not going to be something where they fake it to him and go bomb down the left side. They're actually going to screen this ball off, thinking they're going to outflank him with Xavier Worthy. 
when they when they can show their physicality on play number one, they ended up with like a three yard loss. I'm like, you didn't really have to do why? That's what I thought. Why why the opening? Why would you do that? Why don't you run some kind of counter or run it off tackle and let that kid really get lathered up? But he did, but you know, they came right back. They they figured it out. They understood that they could run the ball against this Baylor defense. There wasn't much on the Baylor defense that could have stopped you. Once again, they had they, to me, they had back-to-back weeks where they could have rushed the ball for 250 yards if they really wanted to, if they wanted to go. But I know Sark wanted to get some things done. He wanted to look at some things, get people involved. But this was back-to-back weeks where you could have absolutely punished the defense with the run. You know, but I, I'm hoping that this, this young running back, C.J. Baxter, is not going to come up limping every time. Every play. Every, every, every time he gets hit. I'm just hoping that the hit he took has now, you know, indoctrinated him into college football. Sure. The big hit he took, they're not going to get much hit. You're not going to get hit like that every down, but that's just a part of football. That's how you get hit as a running back. So you're going to have to have the ability to take that hit, get up, go back to the huddle, you know, not tap your helmet, shake it off, not yep. come out, shake it off, and let's go again. I'll take the ball again. Let's see if you can do that to me a second time. That's just a matter of experience. And every running back that, that comes from high school into college, they have that one experience during the course of a game that turns them into a mature running back. He's had his in game four. So I expect him now not to come up limping. I expect him to start to dish out that kind of punishment now. He's awake to it now. You, just have, you have to get awake. Yep. You have to wake up to that. It takes one lick, that's all. It's not, yeah, it's not three or four licks. It's that one lick in college football as a running back that you take and you shake your head and go, oh, so this is how it's going to be. Well, yes, son, this is how it's going to be. Yep, so it's exactly. now to, you got on the right bus. Yeah, now it's time for you to start dishing out that punishment to those guys over there. This is not for you to continue to take. It's your turn to start getting your body lean the right way. It's your turn to start having your eyes on a, and your head on a swivel for, okay, this guy looks like he may slide off of this, this defensive lineman and be right in the hole. So I'm going to punish him. If he slides off somebody, he's not going to have a chance to set his feet I'm about to deliver into him for about an extra three or four. And that's what Jonathan Brooks does. He delivers. He finishes runs, Buck. He does. He He delivers the blow instead of absorbs them. Yeah, and and his speed and his delivery. And, you know, Jaden Blue Blue has that kind of – he just doesn't have that kind of weight in his ass right Right. now. Yeah, he He needs to get a little bit heavier in the ass. But he does have that – but he has that velocity that he can deliver that punch if he's he's willing to. But he's more of a shake and bake kind of guy that's – He's going to spend more time trying to figure out how I protect the ball when this hit comes than me delivering the, the punishment. But he's got the velocity to deliver that. But in his mind, he's got to know. He knows, okay, when contact comes, I better start two-handed yeah, curl up, yep. so, I, so I can get another opportunity to play again. And, Absolutely. You, know, you talked about it. It, it said, um, you know, you, you talked about how Buck or uh, how Sarkeesian wanted to come out here and then he had, you know, a plan of attack. Wanted to get people involved early. The emphasis on JT Sanders involved early. Here's Sarkeesian on that. We don't we don't think like that. You know, it wasn't something predicated off the week before. Um, every game plan, every game takes on a life of its own. And, you know, we call plays, and a lot of times the defense kind of dictates where the ball's going to go if, if the quarterback reads it properly. And the ball – Went his way today. Uh, Gunner, obviously at tight end as well. Both those guys made some nice plays for us. Uh, but but the beauty of our group right now, I think they love the fact that multiple people are making plays. You know, I think they loved it that Jonte made a, made a really big play down the middle and that Gunner made some plays and that, 
you know, uh, Jonathan's run the way he is, but then Cedric came in and did his thing. And then Jaden Blue came in at the end and did his thing. And then, you know, A.D. Mitchell had some big plays early on. And so the ball's getting spread around. Next week, I don't know who will end up being what you want to call the featured guy. What I do know is we have a guy or two on our team, Xavier most notably, garners a lot of attention. And when that happens, the other guys – got to make those plays right and the quarterback's got to find those guys predicated off the coverage and i think that that we're doing that well i i'll say this if jt sanders doesn't become of your game plan next week against kansas you're not gonna win the game you're not so you can say it, it happens game to game no you got to make it an emphasis that you can't let them take away one of your primary weapons and he's one of your primary weapons you can't you can't then on monday tell us that oh they took away jt sanders oh no <laughs> You can't let them take him away. You have too many toys anyways, right, in, right. in the toy box. But, uh, you know, why – and I know what I've been giving a lot of praise to Sark, but, it, you know, you're talking about features. You know, I don't know if we're going to feature this toy in, in this game, in, in this plan of attack. Why are you still figuring out your toys and how you're going to feature them? You should know this by now. Hell, it's week four. We're past week four, man. You know, we should be knowing what our toys can do. Quinn should know what happens. All right, if I get if I get stacked or if I get, you know – bracketed with with jt sanders here i got a one-on-one with worthy and oh my god if worthy's you know locked up and dialed up i got this guy named jordan whittington there's so yeah. many toys on this team buck yeah ad mitchell is i mean he caught some really nice balls to really keep them going keep drives alive yeah. i mean he's a consistent guy with consistent hands so i i, I now i kind of know why um quinn yours looks at him an awful lot because i think he believes he's got the most consistent hands right now on the team so he goes to him a lot in those, those crucial moments, you know, he'll throw the ball down low. He thinks he'll go down there and get it. Um, I mean, it, it's just working right now. But you can't let them take away Sanders. You can't talk about, you know, it goes by the game. No, it goes by you and your play calling to not let that happen. You can't let that happen. That guy's too valuable a player because you need him throughout the game. You don't need him just for the first quarter because you want, you want to get him going early. No, you want to get him going early so he's involved late. And as I said, he was a fantastic blocker late in the football game and in times when they needed to run the ball. He was just not an innocent bystander just holding on to the end of the line. He blocked. He was, he was an aggressive oh, yeah. blocker, and he hasn't been like that because he hadn't been involved in the game plan, it doesn't seem. So if, if, if you think that you, it goes by the game coach, that's nice coach speak, but you can't let right. that happen. You got to dictate to the to the defense what's going to happen in the game. You have to dictate exactly. You have to yeah. set the tone, Buck. You can't allow the defense to set the tone for you, and then you react. You have to come out there with the with the game plan and establish dominance, like you did. He talked about a little bit um, about the success he had in the first half. What did you like about the Longhorns in the first half? Again, remember we started with that first stanza, a little bit of a drought, but then it started to come on, and then you started to see the dominance actually take over on the gridiron. Well, I thought they, I think they attacked the perimeter pretty nice on in the throwing game. Everything wasn't down the middle of the field. It was outside, as I said, A.D. Mitchell caught ball outside. I like passes where you can throw some hitches every once in a while. It doesn't have to be over the shoulders every time, you know, some long pass down the sideline. It can be a 12-yard hitch. You know, you can get to the, into some of the seams and throw the balls. And I think they're, they're doing that now. They're spreading the ball out. The teams better start playing them for – for guys running, you know, when, when, they, when they've got two receivers to one side and teams are playing them in zone, that Quinn Ewers will throw the ball to the hitch guy, to the eight-yard hitch guy, and not try to get it over the top. But when, when Cooks came in the game, when Cookie came into the game and they decided to throw long, he just outran guys. He just – that speed right there, that is speed that you – you know, 
you can't be t- that's not that's not tall fuck that's natural. no no that's just speed that's just natural. he just went by that dude and caught that ball and caught it in stride the ball was thrown well once again Quinn Ewers had his feet set it wasn't just a fallback throw it wasn't just a fadeaway jump shot it was a ball that he stepped into and like I said when you go back and watch that film where a lot of people will go back he probably was in the 90 percentile of having his feet set for the first time this season somebody's been on his ass about his footwork and continue they're continuing on him, whether it's during the game or at practice or bringing out the little pad and showing him at practice. You just threw this ball. I, I, here it is on film. Your feet weren't set. Set your feet. Set your feet. Set your feet. Put that left foot in the direction where that ball is going. You're going to get away with some of these little sidearm throws every once in a while. But you are really, really – when you're accurate and you set your feet, you're a dominant quarterback, and you can be if you continue to do those things. You're a different quarterback when you right. Your feet. You're you're consistent. You're hitting the little bunnies that you missed in Wyoming. Right, right, absolutely. I mean, the overthrows where his feet weren't set, and he just threw off his back heel. I mean, those things they got rectified in this football game, but you can't stop with him now because I I don't think he can take that that one success to the next game. Right. I think you have to constantly be on him till he's mature enough that that's just human. That's just his natural ability to throw where he wants to become a great passer. I think that'll start to set in. Yeah. I mean, the, the off time throws sidearm and stuff. Yeah. You're going to have to do that when a guy is up in your face and stuff. Right. Not, not every time you're going to have to set your feet, take one in the kisser. I mean, sometimes you're going to have to throw around a guy and we understand that, but the ones that have to be structured throws, he has to, he has to have the fundamentals to do that. And I think he'll be much more successful like we saw on Saturday. And as you said, it wasn't big yardage. It wasn't for a bunch of yards, but it's for the yardage to help you win a football game and win a championship. Right. And then what? Ha- the more important yardage comes with that yak after that catch. Oh, with these guys, yeah, for sure. These guys, you got guys that can catch and, and run the ball. And I saw, I mean, I'm, I'm watching Brooks catch balls out of the backfield. I see he's making a more concerted effort on looking the ball into his hands oh, yeah, before he's looking up man. the field and seeing who's going to make a move on. Some of the little things that you've got, they're starting to do. Some of the little things that, you haven't seen them do, you know, when Brooks was catching, when he's missing those little swing screens, when he was looking up the field before he made the catch, he's now looking the ball into his hands first. You still got time to make that move. You're a good enough athlete that you can get that done. That's what I'd like to see Jaden Blue. That's what I'd like to see him on these little swing screens and get him out there in the open field and make those cuts and then protect the football. Him running between the tackles, I know he's got the footwork to do it, but I'm not quite sure he's that type of guy. Because he doesn't have a lot of lead in his ass right now to Not be there, you know. Not yet. Double rats, get him on double rats out there. Oh, yeah. I, I know what they did well in the first half. CJ well, Baxter just... has that. He's got that thumping ability inside, and all he needed was that hit. He's going to be a thumper inside, and he's he's not going to be a guy who always wants to bounce outside. Because it, as, as a high school player, when you're that good in high school, slash all of them, including Ricky Williams. You always thought that you had the ability to outrun the corner. Oh, yeah. You always thought you could get to the outside. But in college football, dude, a hard four is hard to come by. So sometimes you're going to have to take those hard four. And anybody would love you if you had a hard four sure. yard run every time. Then there's first nothing down, every three that. plays, that's a first down. Yeah. And so for, for, these, for, for a young back like C.J. Baxter, go ahead and take those hard fours. And then like you did down the goal line, you knew you could slide outside and beat the guy right. to the corner. That, that's, just your, that's just your natural ability. But sometimes, go ahead, your hard four needs to send a message to the guys on the other side that I'm willing. I'm willing to get up in there with it. And one thing about Brooks, it's like you just said, um, he always seems to fall forward. Yes. Regardless of who – Regardless, of, there, there was that play where, um, you know, BK put out the tweet there where Jenkins, the defensive back or the safety from 
Uh, the Baylor Bears came up and and put a lick on, or didn't really put a hit lick on him. He just made a tackle on Brooks, right, with a, a, an assisted tackle because he also had a linebacker helping him up and then started talking some mess to Brooks. Brooks just pointed at the scoreboard after falling forward, right? But yeah. somebody needs to tell Jenkins that he also, you know, he had an assist on that tackle and that Brooks fell forward. Real quick before we get into something else, let's uh, hear from Sarkeesian on the success that they had in the first half. Uh, you know, it's like anything. It's execution, you know. Um, and, you know, part of that was having poise on the road. You know, we again, we were really clean at the line of scrimmage until late there when we were going to go for it on fourth down. But, Thought our guys were just really poised. They were they were communicating really well on the field. I thought they were taking in really good information from us on the sideline, and then they were applying it on the field. And then ultimately, when when we had opportunities, we took advantage of it. Whether it was when we blocked the run, the runners were going where they were supposed to go. Um, when we were throwing the ball and we were creating some one on ones, um, you know, Quinn was taking advantage of it. Uh, obviously, again, he used his legs again tonight. Um, so all in all, I just think early on it was it came down to execution and, and, and executing the plan. You know what? You, you should feel that way. You're the number three team in the nation. You've got a talented group. You have a talented coaching staff. You're supposed to play football like that. That's what the number one, number two, and number three teams in the nation play like. That's what they've been playing like for years. It shouldn't be a surprise. That's what I was going to say. Why does it feel like a surprise, Buck? No, it, it really shouldn't. It, it shouldn't. I, I mean, I wasn't surprised by the way they played for Baylor. I thought they were going to blast that group. That group was not as talented. That that group doesn't have the, the kind of physical physical capabilities that the Texas Longhorn has right now. They've got everything going for them right now. They've got skilled players. They've got a fantastic quarterback. They've got a great coaching staff, and they have lines of scrimmage. They own the lines of scrimmage right now, and that's that's important. So don't be surprised. It's hell. They should be hell. They're close enough to me to be the number one team in the nation, except for Georgia still continues to find ways to win. Even when they're not playing great, they find right. that's what a champion does. They find ways to win. Now, to your opinion, should Georgia maintain, not that the AP poll matters right now, but should Georgia maintain the number one if they continue to play like this inconsistently but still win? It's just a number. Who cares? Right. I mean, one, two, three, four, it's just – those are just numbers. You know, you shake them up in the box, throw them out. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, the win with Ohio, Ohio State, some would think of them as – Moving on up after they beat, you know, Notre Dame on the last. Yeah, but play Notre Dame game. was only a nine, right? I mean, not yeah. too much differential. No, but it, to me, it's it doesn't matter. One, two, or three, at any given weekend, somebody can be move up to be number one. Three can move up to be number one instead of two. It it doesn't really matter to me. It's how you continue to progress during the season. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna just poo foo what the Georgia Bulldogs have done over the last two years and say okay they keep winning but they don't look good. Let's pull them out of number one. They're still the number one team, so somebody dethrones them. And by the way, nobody's done that in two years. They don't lose. They yeah. find ways to yeah. win, and that's what you do when you're number that's what one. That's good teams do. Good teams yeah. find a way to win. When they play bad, good teams find a way to win and still and come that's, out And that's what Texas has to continue to do. You can win them by one. You can win the remainder of your games by one. You'll win a national championship. That's you it. win every game from this point on by one, including the national championship game. You're a national champion. And first of all, you got to continue to win the Big 12 and, and – and, and get to the Big 12 championship game. And this is a team that it is now – I mean, now folks are starting to think about the national picture with this team. Yeah. My my, my steal is, deal is still you've got a couple games you have to play, you have to prepare for. Kansas is going to be better than Baylor. Uh, uh, guess what? Oklahoma is going to be better than Kansas. So the games aren't going to get easier now. You've had your easy games. Alabama was your easy games. That's right. Going to Tuscaloosa and beating that group 
was one of the easier games that you'll have to play. So now do you, how do you handle the success? You keep getting better every week because the games will get tougher. As I said, Kansas will be better than Baylor. Kansas right now is better than what Alabama plays like. The following week, Oklahoma will be better than Kansas. So take them as they come. Win them by one. Win them by three. Just win them. Just find ways as a champion to win the games. And some of the little things that are happening to you, you just fix. And But let me tell you something. Dropping those punts aren't little things. I'll keep harping on that. That's that's not a little thing. That has to be fixed. That's that's not something that, you know, well, we'll fix it game number seven. We'll be better at it in game number seven. You'll, get, you'll lose by game number seven if you put it on the ground and give it to the oh, other Kansas team. Will take the, Kansas will take those away and work and those to right. their favor of their of, for points for them off of yeah, the turnover. So, yes, so 100%. Fix, so those aren't little things. So fix the things that I say that are little things. They're not little things right now. Those things can get you beat. They can lose you a champ. That can lose you a championship up in Dallas 100%. by those things happening to you. But they're doing some of the other little things like finishing runs, you know, the quarterback setting his feet, uh, the, the the guys who come into the game as, as substitutions are doing really, really well. And that is fantastic to see Wags. It really, really that makes me feel that makes me feel good about how they're being coached and, and what's being said with those guys and how they're taking coaching right now. A little bit more, a uh, little bit more maturity. As yes. I think you can feel from the team. And matter of fact, here's Sarkeesian on the maturity level of this team. That's a, that's a great way of saying it. You know, I, I had to remind the guys that you know, let's not take winning for granted. You know, it was almost like, okay, let's let's get ready for Kansas. Like they 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 do have a great mentality right now. But but like I said to them in the locker room, we have a bunch of guys in that locker room that endured five and seven a couple years ago that came into this stadium and lost a really tough ball game. And so I wanted to make sure that, that, that we appreciate these wins, you know, going on the road in a hostile environment at night, blackout game, and our guys just showed such great composure. You know, it, it was very businesslike. It was, this is what we came here to do. Let's go do it. And then, okay, the game's over. Let's get ready for next week. And I want to make sure we appreciate these wins. These are tough wins to get. Uh, on the road in conference play and to, to kick off conference play one to know that that's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, he, he, sometimes he just sounds like he's really, really surprised at, at what's going on with his football team. I mean, they, they should be mature players They're, They were good on defense last year and didn't get it done. It, it just offensively with the quarterback, you had to get the Return quarterback 10 starters on offense. You should be mature. Yeah. You, you, you can go on the road with this team and in, in any environment, we saw that at Tuscaloosa, it should never, you know, going to Waco should have never been frightful. I mean, come on. Up the, you're just going up the road playing a team that just absolutely was horrible. Terrible. You should that these, Like you said, these are the games that you should be kicking their ass and just waiting for the next week and getting better during the week and saying who's next. And I believe the same. I think Kansas is better, a lot better than what you saw from Baylor. But there is no doubt at home what you should do. You should Now you should embrace your home crowd where to me, they look like they're a mature team that can go on the road to places like Tuscaloosa, Waco, any place else they got to go. But now you got to embrace what the feeling is with your home crowd and do the same exact things and play that kind of game from the first quarter to the fourth quarter at home. Embrace 100,000. They're, they're there for you. They're oh, not yeah. there to- they're not you, there to second make guess you. Weapon. Make them, yes. you know, a, a part of your advantage. You know what I mean? Keep them in the game to where it takes the, uh, you know, it takes the communications of the opposition out of the game. Yeah, make your crowd think that they're going to be such a part of screwing up the uh, opposing team. The twelfth man. Yeah, I mean, well, the twelfth man was Jimbo Fisher out on the field the other day. <laughs> he was trying to be the twelfth man. Hey, Jimbo, you don't have a uniform on. 
the hell are you doing? What was that anyway? Get your ass off the football field. He said he's lucky he didn't get run over. I'm yeah, no kidding. Somebody, he's lucky that somebody didn't go out of their way. Knock him, him knock him out. Yeah, that was, hey, we'll finish that contract for you, Jimbo. You'll be out of here tomorrow. Oh, yeah. If, if you want him out, you could you had your chance right there to have <laughs> him out. Doing that, Jimbo. I know uh, we got a little bit about Oklahoma real quick in okay. Cincinnati. Uh, they struggled a little bit against uh Cincinnati here. 20 to 6 was the final on this one. One thing I took away from this uh game, Buck. Now, look, I know we we don't have we got Kansas next, not Oklahoma, but moving trying not to put one team ahead of another and just looking at Oklahoma, what Oklahoma struggled with to me, what I saw uh, inside the hashes, right from the five to 10 really yeah. struggled to pick up running backs out of the backfield and their tight ends, their first read and first progressions here. Linebackers struggle to run, run with running backs and uh, dynamic tight ends. What do we have, Buck? We have one hell of a dynamic tight end. Yes. You know, make the emphasis like Sark Keezy. Well, you got two. Don't leave out Byron Murphy. Don't ever yeah, leave Murphy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two way player. The two way player. Two way player. Yeah. Byron Murphy. Uh, utilize these guys in, inside the hashes here, man, and allow these linebackers to try and make plays on athletic running backs or an athletic tight end like that. Create mismatches and win your one on ones. That's you know, how I think you need to plan this attack going into the, Oklahoma. But yeah, let's not get ahead of our skis. We still got Kansas. Yeah. The Cincinnati quarterback was not very good. And the linebackers from Oklahoma played really close to the line of scrimmage. They won't do that against Texas. They'll back up a little bit, about another yard, yard and a half. But they were playing very close to the line of scrimmage. Oklahoma got, got by them a couple times. Uh, but I came out of that game thinking – I watched that football game. And I'm going to tell you this, Wags. The Big 12 officials are out to get Texas and Oklahoma – that were some garbage calls against Oklahoma in that game. It was like they were trying to make it a close game for Cincinnati. And I'm like, wait a minute. Come on, guys. Is this what is this what Oklahoma – now, I, I should not care about Oklahoma, except I want to see the two teams that are leaving the conference play in a championship game. And I want to see them play twice, which would be, you know, which would be a great thing. Oh, yeah. But, sure. but I'm looking at the officiating in that football game because I wanted to see how it was going to go. Dude, the officiating sucked in that game. They wanted Cincinnati to be in that game. Oh, I think yeah. Oklahoma could have beat them by about two more touchdowns, but the officiating almost made it so that Cincinnati would stay close and possibly have a, a chance to be in that game. For Texas, for the Texas Longhorns, as I said, and, and what they did on Saturday, they made sure the officiating had nothing to do with the football game. And they're going to have to continue to do that because they're going to try to screw Texas. They're going to try to screw Oklahoma yeah. on the way out. They're going to do it. Big 12 officiating is not – it hasn't been good anyway – and now it's going to be extra bad because they don't want Texas to win and they don't want OU to win. So, and Buck, when you when you leave it down, and that's the thing about Oklahoma and Texas, you can't leave it up to the to the Zebras, no. right? You can't leave it up to the officials, man. When you go out there, you got to know that you're playing two teams. You're playing the opposition and you're playing the referees, man. You got to go no out there doubt. and take care of business. Don't put it in the hands of the referees. And you you go out there and solidify it and and set the tone and come out victorious, man. Uh, I thought. Texas did that on Saturday. Again, when you start beating the cupcakes like you're beating them like this, it starts to feel right, and you start playing that championship caliber of football, man. Yeah, Love to I, see I, it on the gridiron and look great. Yeah, and the coach, you don't need to you, coach as as well as you're coaching right now, and these guys are taking taking what you're coaching to the football field. Don't seem surprised that your team is good. They're the number three team in the nation. They're good. They're good for a reason because you've coached them that way. They're mature. And they're really talented football players. They're, that's what's supposed to happen. And it's not just supposed to happen when you're at home. It's supposed to happen on the road. You can take this football team anywhere you want to go. 
They're just that good. And they're getting a lot of people playing and a lot of opportunities. And I think there's still more to play. And look who's here. Yeah, Trey tags in and I'm tagging out. The show just got a lot more beautiful. Boom. Thank you so much. Now you go atone for some of your sins. Tag. 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 Hey, not like that to go atone for some of his sins. That wags right over there. There's not enough atonement for that one, Buck. No, there's not enough days. Well, thank you, brother. Fortunately, Wags and I don't hang out more because otherwise it would be uh, triply bad for both of us. Oh, my. Uh, he's leading me to Satan right there. We, Trey, it is another degeneracy. Wags, thank you so very much. I appreciate it, man. Beautiful morning. Before, you guys have you, a great one. I'll see you in about an hour. All right, man. Hey, be, uh, let me tell you something real quick, Trey, before we, we start in because we got a lot to talk about because there was good, bad. There was extremely ugly. And for the Denver Broncos, I'll just say this. I've never seen a professional team get kicked around like that. I mean, I, I just never have. I mean, I don't get kicked around because I'm in my relaxed back chair with the great support that I've always needed to have with my bad back. Their motto is live wellness. And, folks, you can do the same. They've got the gravity recliners, the Tempur-Pedic mattresses just for you, the human-scale office chairs. You can find this all at Relax the Back. Now, heal and recover, work smarter, sleep unimagined, of course, and live pain-free with Relax the Back. Folks, they got Two stores, Hill Country Galleria across from Whole Foods in Austin at the Gateway Shopping Center across from the Container Store. Live pain-free like the buck at Relax the Back. Good to have you, man. Great to be in as always, Buck. And this is the first of two hours that you and I are going to be doing yes. today. Absolutely, also, my friend. I'm looking for a midday show today because BK is atoning for a year's worth of sins by starving himself right now. I mean, he can't. I mean, what does he have to eat? Just the manna, just the bread? Is that all he gets there? Nothing. I don't think he gets anything, does he? Otherwise, even if it is cardboard bread, that's kind of cheating. You got to fast to really consider everything that you've done wrong this year. Listen, all you last Yom Kippur year, I uh, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. I like BK. That's a long list. Yes, it is. There there are sins on top of sins for that dude. Trade the game. I know you saw every bit of it. You know, you you heard of the pregame show, and we we talked about one thing. I talked about is the fact that this football team is is a mature football team. I think you mature pretty quick when you went to Tuscaloosa. I don't know what the, all this fear was about going to Waco, with the exception of the crowd and Chip and JoJo or whoever mm-hmm. the hell was there, Frank and Bobo. I I don't care who was that. This is a football team that you can take. As I said, the Wags just in closing, you can take this team anywhere. You're right about that. Obviously, Tuscaloosa proved that, even if Alabama is a little bit down this year. But I think Baylor has some things working against them right now, notably just how big of a drop-off there was at quarterback whenever Blake Shapin went down. Yes. Especially with the younger guy from Lubbock originally played the last couple of years at Mississippi State being as hobbled as he was. And his ability to pick up yardage with his legs – is one of the few things that he possesses, as well as a decent ball down the field, too. But, um, you know, it's why they have to play the games before you make that game week prediction. This was a game that I had circled back in July and August as a potential trap game for Texas. Yes. Because it is in Waco, you didn't know how the officials would respond. Well, it was a, a fairly evenly called game, and Texas did exactly what they need, we needed them to, and that is just completely kick Baylor's butt in every aspect except special teams. And that, of course, includes an offense really getting it going early on, like 
we haven't seen them do so far this season. Part of that was them running the ball a little bit more early on. Jonathan Brooks, what a godsend he is to have this guy following up Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson as that next potential great Texas running back. And Quinn and his receivers were on the same page to start this game too. Now, part of that is Baylor. Their defense is not great this year, uh, especially their run defense. But give the Longhorns credit for executing on a side of the ball where they've really struggled in every other first half this year. Yeah, they have. It, 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 that was, you're absolutely right. It was, it was good to see that. It was good to see the quarterback use really decent foot, footwork for over 90% of the game. His footwork was fantastic. Some of the throws, the dart throw, the, the touchdown he threw to Xavier Worthy, left foot pointed right at the target, took the step into the throw. I mean, he didn't have to throw it very hard because he's got, he's got a really nice arm. But when his footwork is good, he's good. And it was. And the 29-yard run, I thought, really, really lifted him. It gave him it made him feel confident. And as I said, it's not always about the throws. It's not about you as the quarterback making big plays. It's the way the chains continue to move. It's the running backs getting a first down. You feeling confident about your football team. I mean, you control what's going on as the quarterback. But when guys are running the way they're running, when your footwork is good, and then you take off for 29 yards and you score, that, help, that helps in every aspect of your game as a quarterback. Yeah, it most certainly does. And... um I love seeing Jonte Cook catching a ball down the field, too. We were all clamoring for a little bit more of some of those uh, non-first three receivers this year. Yep. Get the occasional shot. I'm not saying uh, that Isaiah Naor or Jonte Cook should be starting ahead of A.D. Mitchell or Xavier Worthy or Jordan Whittington, but it's good to see those guys, or at least one of those guys, get a shot. Although the game was probably over with by that point. I mean, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't like all backups were in. Then Quinn Ewers was the one who completed that pass to him. So it was great to see Jonte Cook get involved a little bit more. I'd honestly like to see Jonte back there on punts, Buck. Yeah, me too. I, I, about this just... there over the weekend, like Xavier Worthy gives you those flash plays at punt return. He is a liability if you face a good punter because there is a reluctance to do the full scope of that job. And that includes catching the ball in traffic. And unfortunately, with the lack of sure-handedness that he exhibits at times, it will negate any positive play he has if he is turning the ball over as quickly as he did on Saturday and then flipping the field for the opposition. You can get away with that versus Baylor. You cannot get away with that versus, versus Kansas team. And then I don't know why Jordan Whittington was back there after that. Jordan has had issues with drops this year too. So maybe yeah, they used two returners on that and why bring in another guy who struggled catching the regular passes back there? Exactly. So maybe Jonte Cook is the next man up if C. Sarkeesian is opening that job back up in practice this week. We'll see. I think Kansas this weekend is a good opportunity for that because it is a home crowd. So there's going to be right. less pressure to stick somebody in there who hasn't necessarily done it consistently at the college level. Yeah, you have to do. You have to fix that. I mean, a championship team, you'll lose a game because of that. I mean, you turn the ball – if you lose, you've turned the ball over twice on – on, on a muffed uh, punt, Kansas is going to score. They're going to they're take advantage of their opportunity right there. They're not going to be like Baylor. Baylor, how they scored six, I'll never know. You know, I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just amazing that at, at this level, I mean, this is – I know they have – when they start to have faith in certain guys, when they say they have faith, that, that, play, that play is scared to me. When you're, when you're worried about bringing another guy in there to return your punts, what if, he, what if he doesn't struggle? What if he's that guy that truly will make a difference? I think Cook's that guy who can make a difference, catching that ball, getting to the football, catching it in the crowd, 
and just, you know, he didn't have to run it. He just got to catch it. Yeah, completely agreed with that. As far as the refs on Saturday are concerned, Jake says that was a weak PI on Taff in the end zone. Was it a tic-tac call? Maybe, but I also saw where the pass interference was too. So yeah. I'm not going to point to that as a flagrant violation by the officials of trying to screw Texas. Seen some people suggest this weekend might be the first weekend we see the uh, the Zebras really go for the other team since Kansas is right now the only legitimate chance the Big 12 has other than Texas OU as a possible college football playoff team. You know what? I don't necessarily even think that's going to be the case. I think your mark is smart enough to see how much better Texas is than everybody and everybody else in the conference this year. And he does give them a good shot to reap in tens of millions for the conference on the whole if they right. make it to the college football playoff semifinals or even that championship game too. Well, I know this. They were at play in the Oklahoma-Cincinnati game. The officials oh, were. Right? Oh, yeah. They they wanted to make that close. They didn't want Oklahoma beating Cincinnati. They wanted to give Cincinnati a, a opportunity to beat Oklahoma in their first Big 12. Uh, and that was the first Big 12 game for them yeah. since joining the conference. Yes. They want Cincinnati. That, the officiating was very poor in that football game, and it worked to the advantage of Cincy. And I was like, wait a minute. Don't tell me they're going to start this already. I mean, Cincinnati wouldn't have been in the game if it wasn't for the officiating that went on in that football game. They didn't, want, they didn't want Oklahoma to win. Good thing Cincinnati is trash, and they couldn't take advantage. The quarterback was not very good. That hurt. Henry Jones. Yeah. But um, I was uh, – as I watched college football, I mean, we, we, we've talked a lot of Longhorn football. What else did you see during the course of the weekend when it comes to college football? Because I can always ask you about what the Dolphins did to Denver. I think everybody – the whole world has seen that. I mean, I that's unbelievable – at any level. Now I've seen some high school teams or some college teams that can get in the eighties, but a professional team to get in the seventies over another professional team. Russ obviously wasn't cooking for Denver. Yeah. I saw this on Twitter a couple different places, but Sean Payton just got beat by 50 points by his former ball boy. That's where we are wow. in the NFL right now. And I think there are legitimate questions to be asked about Sean Payton and whether he is in that category of guys who is starting to get passed by, by the game itself. As far as college football is concerned, Buck, obviously heading into the weekend, there were a bunch of ranked matchups that we were excited about. And I think we got uh, what we had hoped for, for the most part. Those 230 games turned out not to be very good. Obviously, Oregon took it to Colorado. Oh, yeah. In a way that wasn't completely unexpected. Florida State ends up coming back to beat Clemson. That's a Florida State team that's going to lose a game at some point this year. I realize it's so. it much easier now, but uh, they, they play a little bit too loose. And uh, if you're going to be a dominant team in college football, which there are very few this year, uh, you need to take advantage, even in a hostile road environment like what is presented in Death Valley. You take that and also consider that BC had a chance to win their game the previous week. I think Florida now has some question marks that people weren't acknowledging as much heading into the weekend. And then how about that Ohio State-Notre Dame game? Not the most exciting game offensively, but boy, such an exciting game down the stretch. Feel bad for the Domers, man, because they should have won that one. Ohio yeah. State probably realizes they had no business winning that game considering how meh McCord is at quarterback right now. Oh, yes. Uh, credit to them for giving the football to Travion Williams at times, and then also doing what it took to give themselves that chance for that last second touchdown at the end. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I enjoy, I enjoyed watching parts of that game, especially at the end, you know, it was, 
And that's the way it's about ending on the last play. That that was a beauty. And I was rooting for Notre Dame, all you Golden Domers. Yes, I very seldom root for them. I wanted them to beat Ohio State. I didn't want the Buckeyes to win. But now that they won, okay, it's okay. Texas is still number three. Everything's good. Everything in the world is good. Notre Dame loses. Texas stays at three and pounds a living shit out of Baylor. It's all good. The world, the world is good. And Colorado Buffaloes get their – they're coming. They're up and coming because they get it again this week with USC. Now, they'll score more points because USC's defense is terrible. Yeah, That will be a track meet. But USC will throw – I mean, that quarterback, well, he'll start to get his Heisman this week when he throws for like 700 yards against his defense. I don't even know how much of a track meet it's going to be. Colorado needs Travis Hunter to even finish somewhere close against the better competition in the Pac-12. I realize right. they beat uh, then-ranked TCU team on the road, first game of the season. TCU was not that good. Same goes for Nebraska. Colorado State was trash. They got pounded by Washington State their first game of the year. And uh, we've so finally seen the buffs come back to earth. But, hey, you know what? That's all right, because Dion is going to continue getting that program on track. Yes. You have to love it as a fan of college football that Colorado is about to be relevant again. Does it suck for them in a sense that they're not going to be a part of the Pac-12 anymore going forward? Yeah, but the Big 12 is there for the taking. Now that Texas and Oklahoma are about to leave the conference, even with these four new teams entering the fray, the four teams, or four of the teams, I should say, that lost – their first conference games this weekend between UCF, BYU, Cincinnati, and Houston. Those four new schools, 0-4 in this conference. So, and How about the one who's been here for a long, long time? How about Texas Tech going to West Virginia and getting beat by the Mountaineers? Feel terrible for Tyler Shuck. He's going to be out for the rest of the season after the, uh, the gruesome injury that he suffered on Saturday. That is completely unacceptable if you're a Tech fan right now. And I say this as a guy who was telling Tech fans last offseason when they hired uh, Joey McGuire that this is going to be a good hire for you. And I said it all offseason, too. Very impressed by that dude. He may be on the hot seat at this point because of how sideways their season has gone. I understand the Wyoming loss, and it's not excusable necessarily, but you were up in that game. You had a chance against Oregon. You are in a bad position right now, losing to what I guess is probably the second worst team or slated to be the second worst team yes. in the Big 12 after Iowa State. You better be careful because there's a good chance you're not even winning four games this year, considering that you're through conference uh, non-conference play. Yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. That, that team is struggling. And, and where they're struggling, is what's scary is they're supposed to have a really, really stout defensive line. That it's not looking that way. That was supposed to be their bread and butter. Yeah, I I mean I figured they were going to be through three or four quarterbacks. They are every year. Something's just up with them where they lose quarterbacks. And that was like you said, that was a shame for the kid. But I expected them. I expect them by midseason be in about their third quarterback. Just seems to happen to them all the time. And it's, yeah, it really it really does. And uh, credit to Kansas too, by the way, the Longhorns' upcoming opponent. That was not a gimme win. Or a no. BYU team that has proven themselves to be very competitive through the first three weeks of the season. And that was a close game early, but Kansas did what they need to to really pull away in that one in the end. And the Longhorns now, Buck, are about to embark on their toughest two-game stretch of the season. No doubt. Without no doubt. question. And you're, luck I, you're fortunate, I guess, that Kansas is a home game that should help out. But I feel like this is going to end up being a shootout 
on Saturday. This is the first time that we're really going to see this defense tested, and they're going to fail at times. And that's not to fault them necessarily, but it, it goes to show just how good this Kansas offense is. It is the most innovative offense in college football right now, in my opinion. And Daniels is one of the top signal callers in this conference and across college football, too. They're really good at running back. They have good skill guys on the outside as well. So Kansas is going to figure out a way to put some points on the board. It's up to that Longhorn offense to do what they did Saturday night in Waco, and that's not sleepwalk through the first half of this game. Yeah, and I, I'll say this. I, I would I would expect, from what I'm seeing of this Texas defense, especially at the linebacker position, David Bender's getting a little bit better every week. He really is. He, he was everywhere on Saturday, and he – he doesn't remind me of a guy until Saturday when I saw him. He was sideline to sideline player. Generally, he's a guy who can, you know, stop up stuff in the middle because he's big and physical. He doesn't have that great hip flexibility like uh, like Ford does. He just doesn't have that flexibility. But I saw him go sideline to sideline and make plays over the top of guys and be a part. He was around the ball an awful lot Saturday. Yeah, they're not a great team. But to see him show up in film, is good. that's good to see. And each and every week, he's getting better. And that's a good thing for Texas inside. So I'm, I'm not expecting teams to gut the Texas Longhorns like Wyoming did in the first couple of drives. I expect those guys to be stout in the middle against Kansas at home. I, I got to believe the, the fans will be – I mean, this will be at a fever pitch against a, a, a Kansas team that I think the fans, not only the, the players realize and then the coaches, but I think the fans realize what Kansas can do to you if you let them – you know, if you let them – really get chunk yards on offense, especially in the running game, how they can control the clock. But this is a game that I think Texas can control the football. It doesn't have to be monster plays, but I think they can they can methodically go up and down the field. I know they love their big plays. Now, you can have your big plays if you go off tackle and Jonathan Brooks makes a couple guys miss and his speed takes it, but you don't need to spend all day throwing the ball down the field. You don't cuz you don't want to give them the ball. You don't can't you don't want to get you want to limit their their touches on offense this week. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Controlling the clock is going to be a good idea. And I know that Sark likes to operate with a little bit of tempo at times because it helps get Quinn Ewers into a rhythm. You should mm -hmm. be mindful of that also, which maybe makes him more likely to hand the football off early in drives or early in the game, like what we saw with the Baylor matchup. And it wasn't like they were running it on every first down, but they were mixing in the run a little bit more on first and second down. And I think that benefited this offense on the whole. Yeah. Uh, listen, Trey, while we got a chance, you got to tell them about the great furniture over at great blue Heron. You got to let folks know about that furniture. I, I've seen their furniture before and I'm a, I'm an old fashioned Western leather guy. The stuff that lasts for like 500 years and they've got a bunch of that, don't they? Well, you got to give me a chance to uh, pull up my talking points here, Buck. Okay. Well, your talking points should be in. It's quality furniture that lasts for decades, my friend. It, this this stuff is not going to go away. I love the furniture. I love it whether it's whether it's cow high, whether it's the fabric. They have great furniture, as I said, the last, and it's classic stuff. It's that classic Western that a lot of folks around here just love. Yeah, it's a custom leather furniture company that started in 1991. They focus on heavy leathers, hides, and fabrics ranging from traditional Western to modern farmhouses. The stuff is gorgeous. It's also the highest quality furniture you can find. You cannot, you will not find more stylish, more comfortable, and more well-bit furniture anywhere out there. 
There's a link in the YouTube video description below that takes you to our Texas Sports Unfiltered collection. That's right. We have a Texas Sports nice. Unfiltered collection. And if you use the promo code HOOKEM, you're going to get 15% off your entire purchase. 15% off. That is a huge amount for such quality products. If you're looking for furniture that looks amazing and is built to last for decades, look no further than Great Blue Heron Furniture. Check out that link for more info or give them a call, 866-247-9688. That's 866-247-9688. Thank you very much, Trey. Appreciate that. Now I've got to get to your Dallas Cowboys. I've said enough about the Texas Longhorns. We'll be talking about them all day, obviously. Of course, yourself, you guys will be talking about it. You and I will be talking about it in another couple hours. But the Dallas Cowboys yesterday – how pathetic was that group yesterday? This was just just when I made them the number one team in the NFC. Look what I did to the Cowboys. That was a terrible display of football by the Cowboys. Talking about getting dominated in the run game. Wow. Yeah. As soon as I heard that Zach Martin and Tyler Beatis were going to be out of the game yesterday during the 12 o'clock games, I had a feeling. I, I knew at that point the Cowboys weren't going to cover. But I had a weird feeling that this that game could go completely sideways for them. And sure enough, it did. And look, you got to credit the Arizona Cardinals. They're supposed to be tanking, aren't they? All three of their games now, they have put themselves in position to win based yeah. on their first half performance. And they figured out how to close yesterday. Now, part of that is on the Dallas Cowboys rush defense deciding to all of a sudden look like the USC Trojans rush defense. But by the same token... That Dallas Cowboys offense has some serious question marks when they are forced to throw the football, especially with Brandon Cooks hobbled. Who is that number two option if CeeDee Lamb is covered? It looks like Dak Prescott doesn't really know right now. Last year, that number two option, based on statistics, it was Dalton Schultz. It's a guy who's now catching passes with the Houston Texans. So the Cowboys really need to figure that part of things out. But obviously, if you're down that many offensive linemen, and your best offensive lineman at that, in a sense, then uh, that's going to be a big problem for your ability to run the football effectively, but also to protect the quarterback to give him time to find those open receivers. But their problem right now, too, is they can't stop the run. We thought about that last year. Remember, they couldn't stop the run at times, and they got gouged by James Conner. Really? Yeah, Keontae Ingram to a lesser degree. Oh, yes. We're not going to call him a lifetime Longhorn because he transferred to USC, the <laughs> former Longhorn, Keontae Ingram. Yeah, look, maybe it's just a problem that we haven't really been uh, hasn't really been put in focus for us because Dallas kicked the first two teams' butts that were on their schedule. That Giants game was a no contest from the get go, and last week's game versus the Jets was very similar to where the Jets were having to throw it a whole lot more than running it throughout the course of that game in an attempt to come back. So this is something definitely worth monitoring going forward. It's another theoretically easy game for the Cowboys this coming weekend against New England Patriots. Mac Jones is not very good at quarterback. Ramondre Stevenson uh, presents a an option for them as a running back, and obviously yes. they have Zeke Elliott back there now too. I expect Dallas to handle their business, but then again, the Patriots of nothing else, they are still a good defensive team. Is Bill Belichick going to try to prove to us that Zeke Elliott is still worth something this week? He may I hope try. So. 
we may see some things in the arsenal, the Bill O'Brien arsenal, because remember that's who's calling plays now for the Patriots this year. Well, we and, know Zeke, we know this about Zeke. He can play other positions because we've seen it at center. Yeah, you know? that's right. He did have that rep at center as they were trying to uh, win an unwinnable game in the final yes. seconds last season. But I don't know. Maybe Belichick does something. I feel like Belichick's over the hill, too. I feel, feel like we're watching the end I of agree. the Belichick era in New England. They were really lucky that they held on to win that game against a Jets team that is all of a sudden extremely dysfunctional without Aaron Rodgers back there. Who would have thought that Aaron Rodgers goes down, all of a sudden all the, uh, the, the happiness and the good cheer and the camaraderie just completely vanishes on both sides of the ball. Oh yeah, going after one another on the sidelines. Yeah, it, you could see it. You could you could just feel it. What happened to all this this mature Jets team? Aaron Rodgers is going to bring that that maturity that that you know that MVP. It's just not there. He's gone. He's gone in hiding, and so have they. Right now, they're just struggling. Yeah, I'm back to the Cowboys for a second. Jake points this out. Trayvon Diggs being out for the season has an effect. It absolutely has an effect, and and maybe there is a psychological letdown there that you can strike up. That yeah, from this week, from just this week alone. Defense, uh, that for, poorest effort by the Cowboys' defense. But you also have to keep an eye on this going forward because, as you mentioned, that run defense was a problem last year too. Yep. Yes, it so was. They still be an issue that all of a sudden has now been exposed for the very first time that the opposition is going to try to continue exposed until the Cowboys can prove that they can stop it. Well, I was I was disappointed because, you know, I hadn't seen Van Der Esch play that bad in a while. He was overrunning cutbacks in the run game. And that's – I mean, that that looked like him four years ago when right. he first came into the league and he was just going on what he thought was instinct. And, I, and if the guy starts outside, he's going outside. But they just wa – they washed him across a couple times in cutback lanes. I mean, he got washed away when on the long run that he overran the play and then had to try to come back. And he wasn't going to run the dude down. We knew that. That was more. But it was he, – he just didn't play well yesterday. And he's been not only playing well, he's been the leader. He's been moving people around in the right spots. It just didn't happen in the run game yesterday. He played a poor game, I thought. What the heck happened to your Vikings yesterday? Brandon Staley goes all Brandon Staley and goes for it on fourth and short, deep in their own ends when they have a lead and could possibly punt to make that Vikings defense have to go 70-plus yards to score a go-ahead touchdown. Well, that was given to them, and they screwed it up. You're gifted this beautiful flip of the field by Brandon Staley's stupidity. When are they going to fire that guy, by the way? And then you still can't get it done, and we're hearing that the crowd is to blame. The crowd was too loud at the end of the game. The Vikings couldn't get the same page. Oh, God, isn't that – that is so beautiful. They were just too loud. They should have just gone into dead silence for the team. Hey, yeah. I, I pay my money. I'm going to scream throughout the game. I'm not hushing for you. You're professionals. Get over that. Practice that stuff, will you? They know it's a it's a a loud stadium. Uh, no, they're not unless they're having in, or unless they're like Aggies having little you know pep rallies at midnight to tell the crowd here's when you need to quiet down for us. Come on. Let's go, pros. You got to you got to give the Aggies credit for as many jokes as have been made about their stupidity over time. They they know how to get together for a coordinated cheer. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. They do it at midnight when everybody's sauce. That's <laughs> when they do it. Good move, absolutely. Uh, congratulations to the Houston Texans. Nice win by the Texans, beating Jacksonville. Talk about gifted. Whew. Man, is Jacksonville? I thought that was a that was a playoff team last year. 
what the hell happened to them? Yeah, that fooled me also. I thought their defense would be better. I thought that Trevor Lawrence would remain on this excellent page with his receivers. Yes. We're also adding Calvin Ridley to the fray. They're, I, I know that they're missing Cam Robinson right now. He's suspended for that PED violation for a couple more games. But they're good at running back also. They add Tank Bigsby to the mix. But they are... They miss Zay Jones. Not very wide good. Wide receiver. Right they miss Zay Jones at wide receiver. Yeah, they you really do. right about that. But you also have to give credit to D'Amico Ryans and the Houston Texans. I mean, my goodness, C.J. Stroud looks like the real deal right now. And they figured out a way to patchwork things together despite the fact that they have some injuries on the defensive side of the ball. And they have uh, looked better than worse, even under conditions where it seemed like they were going to be the second-worst team in the league this year. And they now have a – was that a road win yesterday too? I feel like it was. It was. It was in Jacksonville. A road win over a Jacksonville team that a lot of people predicted to win that division this year. And that AFC South is wide open. Both South divisions are wide open this year. And uh, the Houston Texans maybe have an opportunity to uh, jump up and take it in C.J. Stroud's rookie year if he can continue playing like this. There's no doubt about it. Trey, let me ask you about, in college football, the change of the top five and all that stuff. Georgia still number one. You know, they haven't played great. But there's no way you change Georgia. You don't make any of those moves, right? Until you beat Georgia – Nothing changes with them. If they can win by one, they win by a point. Do you ever change them after consecutive national championships until somebody beat them? Yeah, I think you give Georgia the benefit of the doubt until maybe not even a loss, but they have to win a very close game against bad competition on their schedule. Here's the issue, though, Buck. They don't play very many good teams the rest of the way so it's hard to envision them losing a game right the, rest of the way i mean they play Ole miss that game's at home at tennessee is tennessee any good at this point but they have missouri florida vanderbilt kentucky auburn uab which uh which is obviously who they beat this last weekend's like, it is a cupcake schedule for them the rest of the way. It certainly is. And congratulations to Texas A&M. Nice win for them, which, of course, they should have won. I mean, they, you're using 12 men on the field. They're just not just not a 12 men. They're actually sticking their coach out there without a uniform on. Boy, he is so fortunate to not get run over. He really, really is. That's, that's crazy. They did some good things, though. Aggies got real defense. I don't know what they're going to do quarterback-wise. If, if Wigman, he's, is, he, is he done for a couple games because – the Johnson kid, he's just okay. I mean, he lost the job to that guy, so he's just okay. But I don't know. I, I, I watched them play. I, 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 they've got some really talented wide receivers. They don't have a talented quarterback. Either one of those guys isn't that good. But, boy, their defense can fly to the ball. Yeah, their defense is flying around, and they do have some good skill guys too. So the uh, the quarterback injury issue is something worth monitoring. And yes, Alabama conceivably gets back on track this weekend. They beat Ole Miss. Shocked that Jackson Dart was that bad. But then again, Alabama, if nothing else, still has a pretty solid defense. They do. Sure, he's going to remain out on Jalen Milrow, but he is their best option right now. So he's who they have to roll with. The rest of the way. And so I think Alabama ends up losing probably another game at least, if not two, uh -huh. three more losses on the schedule. But then again, this is a down SEC this year. I think LSU is probably the team to watch right now as far as who represents the SEC West right. 
in that championship game. I said in the preseason, I didn't think Alabama even made it to the SEC championship game. So it probably is going to be, um, it probably is going to be LSU. Keep an eye on Ole Miss, I guess. No, they ain't giving no. Saturday, they've, they've lost a lot of credibility. Nobody believes that A&M is going to be able to get the job done or Auburn or Mississippi State. So it's probably a, a two-team race right now between LSU and Alabama. No, no doubt about it. Trey, let me tell the folks about our good uh, sponsor over at BK, BK of Texas. That would be the Covert family. You know, they did, they, of course, they've been wonderful to us throughout this adventure that we're on right now. We've got these wonderful studios over there where we do meet and greets. And, and of course, we're also doing pregame shows there. I mean, a full two hours. I don't even know if they have another full two hours of pregame shows in Central Texas. Does anybody else do a pregame show? I don't know if they do. Well, sadly, the uh, official Longhorn station doesn't do a pregame show half the time other than the network pregame show. What in the hell? Come on now. But I want to thank the Cobra family. You know, they've got they carry seven brands, Buicks, GMCs, Cadillacs, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and of course, Ram. And they've got a wonderful facility, 42 acres out there in Sweetwater, right off of Highway 71. They've been doing this since 1909. The Cobra family have been selling cars and trucks in Central Texas. They also have Covert Ford and Chevy out in Hutto and Ford Lincoln in Austin. And when you're out there, do say hello to Stacy and Dan and Mike and the whole gang. And we may have a real surprise for you coming up this week at our meet and greet on Friday. A real live surprise. Maybe even a Heisman Trophy winner may show up on Friday out there for our meet and greet. So, And a guy that you want to get to see. And I'm trying to talk him into bringing the Heisman Trophy with him. So... We'll see if he knows where it is. And you know that guy. He may not even know where it is. It may be in the basement somewhere with the rest of his stuff. Don't they give don't they give him like four or five of those things in Clay? The university has one. University has one. College football has one. And that dude has one. And the one that that dude has, who knows what house it's in? Or if it's at his kids' home right here in Austin, in the bedroom, underneath the bed, or a doorstop or whatever. So we're, hope, we're, we're hoping to have him on Friday, so I think people know who we're talking about. They know we're not talking about Earl because Earl's grandpa now. He, not, he didn't have, like, little kids. He has grandkids, as a matter of fact. So we're hoping to see Ricky on Friday out there. We're hoping to have him tomorrow with BK and I tomorrow uh, tomorrow morning. But nobody beats that covert deal, folks. Not now, not ever. And thank you to the covert family. We appreciate it. So BK and I are doing the show out there on Friday, Buck. And no, he's not going to slide back there with you. What? Oh, no. He probably won't have time to slide in there with you. I know I know that you want to see him. What you about recording to... something after the fact? Well, you know what? He needs to make a recording for us. For, you know, for Austin Sports Unfiltered. He needs to do a, you know, do a little deal, a little promotional for us. So I'm getting him his thinking cap on what he needs to say. No, 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 no. I, I get it. The Texas Sports Unfiltered Promotional, that's okay. I got to talk to Ricky, though. Oh, God. Do you have – Ricky and I – God, I'm going to start sounding really weird. I promise it's not this weird. Ricky and I are kindred spirits. The fact that I am blocked on Twitter, it makes You're no sense. You're both weird. That's what it is. You are weird, both of yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, kindred well, spirits. fucking weirdos. Yeah, well, you got that right. also have an enlightened conversation about things. About weird shit, right? I can talk with them about the fact that I took psychedelic mushrooms before I floated the river this last weekend. Kidding me? That's in his wheelhouse. 
Yeah, that's yeah, that's probably in his wheelhouse. We'll try to we'll try to make all that stuff happen. But for folks that are waiting to see waiting for a meet and greet this weekend, it should be on Friday. It should be a monster when that guy shows up. There'll be tons of folks there to 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 see Ricky and say hello to Ricky. But his number one fan is you. But you are canceled, aren't you, on, on all his social media for some odd reason? Is it that I gave you his Philadelphia Phillies jersey and you made a pair of pants out of it or something? I made a pair. Yeah, that wasn't going to fit me. It was huge. There's no way I was going to be able to wear that. So I cut it up and restitched it to make it a pair. <laughs> oh, oh, my. Maybe so he's me tight around my mid- midsection. Maybe that, he's upset. Say that was a starter. That was a starter jacket that went to uh, good use. Okay. Good. Good. Very good. And let's say hello to our friend Ashish over at 7-Eleven. Of course, he is absolutely magnificent. Of course, I was there to pick up this weekend to pick up my Sunday paper, my hard copy. But of course, you can get gas. You can get Olipop right there. And I've got a 12-pack of Olipop. How about that? Can't wait to down that stuff because, of course, I need something that has the ingredients that'll make me that's good for me and make me have that taste of having a soda. Well, I got that at 7-Eleven, as a matter of fact, the Olipop. And it is got all the ingredients that are good for you. But 7-Eleven, it's got, hey, my little Debbie's. It's got my wonderful pizza. It's got all the water that I need. And it's got the Olipop and the gas. What else do I need? It's got my Sunday Austin American Statesman. Who doesn't need a Sunday paper? Who out there doesn't need to sit back on a Sunday and read a hard copy. I think even you would enjoy that. Your poor gut microbiome, Buck, because Olipop is supposed to be good for the gut microbiome, as I heard BK stumble through trying to say that for the very first time a few weeks ago. But you throw the Olipop on top of the Little Debbie snack cakes. and Oh, yes. Why don't you just throw a, a Coke Slurpee in there while you're at it? No, no, no. No more Cokes for the Buck. No more. We can't do that any longer. I went to see I went to see one of my other doctors and he said that's out. And I said why is that? A little sugar won't hurt, does it? He goes, "What else is what do you eat when you have a a regular coke?" I said a Snickers bar. Just to I have some peanuts in there just to calm down all the sugar. He goes, "No, that doesn't do it. Try some water, just some regular H2O and maybe an Olipop, but no cokes. Cokes are out from now on." And so are, what are those, Frantas, those orange drinks? What are those? Franta, the orange drink? I was starting oh, to do gosh, that. Yeah, I was starting oh, to do that too. I don't think that's good for you either. No. See the, oh gosh, I'm about to go, about to go Dr. Trey here, but here we go. So the problem with consuming that much sugar in liquid form is how much quicker it shoots through your system and causes blood sugar issues, glucose issues to where you get those like heroin spikes. And then quick drops too. Maybe not heroin, but sugar ingested like that does have a similar effect on the brains of rats as cocaine in terms of just how addictive it is and how much or how quickly you are craving more soon after you take that first hit. So yeah, sugar consumed... Added sugar consumed in those levels is not good if you're doing it in food. It is significantly worse if you are drinking it. Well, see, that's why you are Doc Trey, for sure. And as you are Doc Trey, I still haven't gotten my thank you for the rain call for yesterday, Sunday. Did it not rain? Did some of you folks not get rain? I know you got hell 
I'm not responsible for the hail. I don't, I don't do, I just do rain predictions. I don't know when it stops. I do know when it comes, but I, I don't know when it stops. I don't know how much we get of it. That was my fault with the, with the hail. So don't, so Wags, you and your family, I know there's some broken windows. I know there's some damaged cars out there. Go see the, the auto dentist, my friend, the auto dentist. He'll fix that all up, some of those bings and pings. But I saw some of the size of the hail yesterday. You didn't get any hail where you were, did you? No, the rain mostly missed us too, but as a matter of fact. Thanks. Missed you again? The really hard stuff hit Round Rock and Georgetown, but it missed a lot of Cedar Park. We did get rain later, but we missed out on the, the hail part of that equation, I guess. I don't know if your transgender amnesia kicked back in last week or something, and you were thinking you were a they Transient, then. not transgender. I do not, not recall you calling rain on Sunday. And I'm usually one of the people that you'll make these half cock predictions to. I made that to I made that to our to our audience in the morning with Bucky and BK. I made that to them around Wednesday of last week, okay. saying that, yes, you were going to get rain on Sunday. And I was a little worried that it didn't really happen until kind of Monday morning, early Monday morning. But I, it did rain I, I, in places around 11, 1130 or so. I didn't get very much. Generally, I'm the recipient of all that rain here in Dripping Springs, our little village here of Dripping Springs. Not much. It, it, it rained a little bit, but I did not bring the hail. I'm not responsible for hail. I don't do hail. Yeah, normally you're Charlie Brown. We're the only person getting rained on in all of Austin is you. But congratulations. The blind squirrel found its nuts. Again? 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 Over over 90% right now? This guy is, when it comes to 24-hour predictions, over 90%? 90 that's all I get? Where are you getting that number, Mel Kuyper? Come on, dude. I just did this over the last two two weeks or so. Predicted rain within 24 hours a couple weeks ago. And now I've done it again. And I've done it before. So, I, I, I you know, there are those on our text line you know, 512-222-9328, who have actually texted us and said, thank you, Buck. So I don't know when I'm going to get my thanks from you. I should, but they've actually been thanking me for the rain. But they told me to hold off. They told me to hold off for Saturday, and I've done that on Saturdays. I'll give you credit when you call day of. I'm sorry. I'm not giving you a three-day window that you get credit for calling. 24 hours. That's all I ask. Yeah, 24 hours either direction. So if you say Wednesday and it happens Tuesday or Thursday, you get credit for that. What other weatherman in this area has given you that? Or the, or meteorologists or whatever they call themselves? What other Most guesser gives guessers, you that? To their credit, don't take that sort of liberty. They just they just continue to take the L's. <laughs> they even doze a line clip where they're maybe batting 200 for their careers. They're just going to take the L, huh? better than that right now, but I'm not giving you next day or, or previous day credit when you call something on a Thursday and it rains on a Friday. And speaking of taking no hits, how about the Texas Rangers? And how about the Houston Boy, Astros? Wow. What a weekend again for the Houston Astros. Was that not the worst team in baseball they just got swept by? Kansas City Royals, yeah. And I think that without fail, everybody on the Astros and Rangers sides and really all across baseball, Assumed that this race was about to be over with. Yes, this weekend, yeah. Last few weeks because Houston is clutch. The Rangers had completely sucked for a month and it didn't seem like things were going to get better. Yet here we are. The Rangers have themselves a two and a half game lead with a week left to play. Obviously, Texas has four more huge games in Seattle coming up this next weekend. They play the listless Angels prior to that. 
who are obviously without Shohei Otani the rest of the year. And the Astros are, uh, are they playing the Mariners? Yes, they are. They've got a series with the Mariners. Mariners. The Mariners are fighting for their postseason's life right now. So it is all up in the air. And as a Rangers fan, I am now forced to watch this team once again because it does look like they will make their way into the postseason. And as BK told the people last Friday, I do have a $100 ticket that would pay me $7,000 if the Rangers can somehow win a World Series this year. So I am financially invested in this team now. Your chance, your team has a chance of winning the World Series. Like this guy right here has a chance of not being one of the greatest players ever, ever in baseball history. See this guy right here, the captain, the Yankees, as they keep winning right now. And Derek going- Jeter. On, it, on bended knee for you, I see. Absolutely, as he always is. Derek Jeter next morning gift bags, his one-night stand gift bags that he was giving out. Those are all false guy. rumors. He was just waiting for the love of his life, who he's married to now, and they have a new commercial out, too, for their Cadillacs that they're now driving. Yeah, but Maybe he, even a covert Cadillac. Who knows? He's still sweet enough to give out the post one-night stand gift bag. That next morning, I thought that was a sweet gesture by him. Maybe yeah, a signed baseball, an authentic jersey, maybe a, a couple tickets to a game. By the way, shame on Stephen A. Smith for wearing Derek Jeter's number to go to Yankee Stadium to throw that one hopper in there. Shame on him. I didn't notice that originally, but now that I've seen replays, that dude was wearing number two. What the hell is wrong with him? Who the hell does he think he is? Boy, if we're going to bring up bad first pitches, I guess we need to watch this one again. Oh, you found it. <laughs> oh, oh, no. He's so oh. confident when he walks out to the mound. And then for some reason, he doesn't even take a breath. He just throws it. He doesn't even pull his arm all the way back. What was that? Had he just gotten done with a Yom Kippur fast or something? What is up with that chick? How Man. is that? What was that? He looked like he'd never thrown anything in his life. Dude, I'm not sure that's my sister's. Does he need Tommy John surgery? My sisters are going to want to throw out their first pitch after watching that throw. I mean, really? Oh, he didn't even, he did it. He did a half wind up. It was like he half cocked it. He brought his arm back to here versus bringing all the way back. Didn't even take a breath. You got to get out there and take a breath, man. If he, were, if he were throwing three hard shell Taco Bell tacos in there, I guarantee you he would have thrown strikes if it was. Oh, yeah, there's a little hook him right oh, there. Oh, yeah, he gives the Matthew McConaughey hook him, turns it around. Oh, yeah, look at him. Oh. He points to somebody. Who is he pointing to? And then he just gets up there. First of all, he's in jeans. So yeah. the likelihood yeah. that he was going to be throwing a good first pitch is, is pretty low. With the 12 people in the stands, that was yeah. good for him. Wearing jeans. Was that the twelve people that listened? Was that was that the twelve people that listened to his show down there? Twelve man decided to travel over from College Station to uh. (laughs) (laughs) The twelfth man showed up. Oh my god! Oh my goodness! Um, Trey, you are too much. Texas Longhorns this week. Trey, a lot to work on. Would you would you be in favor of trying someone new as a punt returner? Or is Sark and, of course, the uh, special teams coach just going to stick with who they have? Is it just kind of too early? Because this is such a big game. You know, I think, what is it, a 2.30 game? It's a nationally televised game. Do you stick somebody new back there now or you just wait it out? I mean, what do you, what do you, what do you wait it out to? 
until they fumble one, a guy picks it up. Oh, it's a muff. You can't advance it anyway. But what do you wait for? I am probably putting Jonte Cook back there at practice this week to see if he has the chops and the dedication to doing that job to the full ability with which you need somebody back there. Like it's fun when Xavier Worthy takes one of those low liner kicks or something that bounces and bounces up perfectly into his hands. And he's got the speed and athleticism to make good things happen from there. Yes. But he needs to be dedicated to doing that job. Even when it's a high booming deep punt where you're maybe having to catch that ball in traffic and making the right decision and doing so too. Xavier Worthy over the last couple of years has made a lot of business decisions in terms of balls that he's not going for. I don't fault him as a potential first round pick, but at the same time, we need somebody who is committed to doing that job. Try John Tay cook. Think of some other guys who may be worth putting back there. Savion red. It's gotta be some defensive backs. Gotta be some defender, some defensive backs. I know they generally can't catch, but. Could be a defensive back. Is Jaden Blue a guy worth a chance there? I know he had the fumble a couple games ago against Wyoming, but clearly Sark was frustrated with Xavier Worthy balancing out or negating, I guess, good returns by fumbling the football and giving Baylor a short field. So he is I, I just think Cook is, is the guy who could who will be doing that for you for the next couple of years, not just – you know what I'm saying? It's not just because the guys can't catch, but you have a weapon back there that over the next couple of years can be an outstanding punt returner right. or kickoff returner. I mean, if Keelan Robinson is going to let kickoff returns hit him in the chest and go running forward and having to dive on the ball for dear life so that it's not a turnover, those things are scary. That's that's where you lose your championship right there. People don't think of that as, oh, that's not a big deal. It's a big deal. Keelan Robinson, had that not happened, would probably be option A to return punts too, but that was bizarre. I don't know if that's just a lack of focus because Texas is winning by so much or not as dialed in, but that seems like a perfect role for Keelan Robinson. Yes. Maybe punts too, but you have to rethink that because of the sloppy play. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's one of those infectious things on a night where everything else is going right for you. Cause Bert Auburn, who isn't totally automatic, but he has been a pretty darn good kicker for this team. These last few years, he missed a chippy. On yeah, Saturday. clanks it off. Did that hit the upright and clank off? I don't remember if it hit the upright or not. I just remember that it missed. Yeah, they've got they've those, those are the little things that aren't little things. Those are things that you can lose an opportunity to play in a championship game or play for a championship or lose in a championship game. You never want to be, look back in, in in a championship game and said, "Oh no, he fumbled another one." You know, you got to rectify that and, and get that straight and. Now, the other thing for me with Sark right now is, uh, and I don't think it, I, I think Texas fans are getting to the point where they feel very confident about their football team. Yeah, there are going to be some little things that happen. But once again, muffing a punt is not a little thing. That's that's huge. You know, there, there are going to be certain things that, you know, a, a team's going to get a drive or two on you here or there. But you, you have to fix that. But I'm very confident in this football team, Trey, whether they're on the road or at home now, they can get the job done. I mean, they don't they don't have to trample everybody, but I think and they're getting to the point of teams like Kansas, teams like Baylor, those are those those are those those aren't dogfights anymore. Those are just ass whoopings for the other the the team that comes in now. Yeah, it does seem like Sark, at least for this year, has that monkey off of his back. That monkey yes. is losing two top twenty five opponents at a two out of every three clip. 
That's not going to be that much of a concern in the Big 12 the rest of the way. And then also losing conference road games. Right. Team is at least through four games now. They are more ready to go on the road than they have been at home. Yes. 2023. And you got to love to see that because those were two of the biggest questions about this team entering the season is Sark. Could he overcome the fact that he was losing two out of every three games in both of those scenarios? And that question or those questions have been answered uh, with a resounding yes so far. Yeah. I, I, I was thinking that is this team a better team possibly on the road than they are at home? And that's why I said, they're going to have to start in embracing, you know, the home field advantage. This is the week where, the home crowd is going to be right in your hip pocket for Texas right now. This is where they need to take advantage of a hundred thousand are going to show up this week for an afternoon game. That means an awful lot, you know, and even game number two in the big 12, this game is one of the tougher games that they'll play, but this is where the, this team really needs to embrace, embrace that home crowd and not be fearful of the home crowd. This is where you, this is where you don't need to make the mistakes, jumping off sides, illegal procedures, you know, weird plays, that can get you beat. Your home crowd is going to be into this game. I mean, yeah. I, think, I think Texas fans understand how good this football team is. I hope the football team understands. Now you really do have to protect your home. I keep saying win every game by one point. I don't want to see that shit. I, yeah. I'm, I'm really, come on. I'm just saying that's weird. That's just speaking about if it happened, you would win a national championship. If you won everyone from this point on by one point, you would win a national championship, but that's, so far out of it to even think that way. This team should be boat racing a lot of teams that they're going to play from this point on. Yeah, if you're winning every game by one point, you're playing with fire way too much against sub right. competition. And by the way, this is another decent college football slate this coming weekend. Week it is. For college football. Uh, one of the ranked matchups is on Friday, Utah-Oregon State. Thanks, Pac-12, for scheduling games on Friday, you idiots. But as far as the other ranked matchups go, Buck, uh, you do have LSU Ole Miss. That's a five o'clock kickoff. Uh, you have Notre Dame Duke at six thirty. Boy, that's all of a sudden a much better game than we thought. Yes, it, it is. Would. You're right. Duke's undefeated. at two thirty. Is Duke undefeated? Trey Duke's still undefeated. Duke is still undefeated. Yes. So Kansas Texas is the best two thirty game. You have Georgia Auburn at that time. Michigan Nebraska. And then Missouri Vanderbilt starting at three because Missouri is somehow ranked now. But most eyes will be on you because this is the ranked matchup during that time slot. So show the rest of the country what you're all about this year and really try and take it to a Kansas team that is a uh, formidable challenge in terms of what they're going to present on offense and how they will challenge your defense in ways that has not been challenged so far this year. I'm excited for this defense to have an opportunity to shut down this Kansas offense, considering how yes. dynamic they are. They're yeah. throwing the ball with Daniels. He's obviously a dual threat, but they are an exceptional team at running the football too. I understand that their offensive line hasn't been great at protecting Daniels at times. You can't say that's a crappy unit though. They have been really good as run blockers. Yeah, they, they really have. I mean, and I'm looking at so many different defenders on this Texas team get a lot of playing time. Well, maybe not a lot of playing time, but the substitution patterns have been really, really good. And as I said earlier with Wags, this is a football team that I have to give an awful lot of credit to their strength and conditioning because this was a tough summer all over the country, Trey, but it was really tough in the state of Texas. And these guys look like they're in great shape in the fourth quarter. Uh, this is a team that you don't see a lot of hands on hips. You don't see a lot of guys tapping out, wanting to come out of games. They substituted well on defense, but you don't see guys – 
wanting to come out of the game. You see guys ready to line up and play another down, which is a good thing to see. I've seen this team before defensively want to tap out. Can you bring somebody in for me? You know, you don't see that now. You see a bunch of dogs that want to just keep playing football. I like that. I like that in this Texas defense. I think that speaks to the conditioning program, too. These yes. guys are in good enough shape. And part of that is having them practice at the hottest part of the day. It makes a difference in being able to deal with less extreme conditions, for sure. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I, You know, as I said, there's and it was good to see Catalan and a couple of hits that he stuck in there the other day against Baylor. I was waiting to see when a couple of big hits were going to come for, for Catalan because and I was worried about if the dude was going to knock himself out in game two or, or if he got down to Alabama and was going to, you know, throw his body like a projectile in there and be on the, um, be, you know, be in the, in the, can't make the club in the tub, but be in the tub. He threw a couple of big time hits in there on Saturday, bounced right up and was ready to go. I worry about his shoulder, but after, after this weekend, looks like his shoulders just is, is fixed and ready to go. That's right. Love him. I love him. I love him as a player. I think he does a lot for that defense. But nobody does anything for that defense like Ford does and Sweat. Those guys are the anchors of what's going on defensively for the Texas Longhorns right now. Yeah, it was good to see Ford have his best game of the year against Baylor. All right, my friend. We got to get out of here. And uh, Rodney and Wags. Wags is coming back. And I'm going to see you at noon. Guess who's back? Yep. Back again. You Wags is back. At noon. At noon. At All right, guys. Have a good one. Welcome back. Are you doing this? Is Rodney, is Rodney, Rodney and Tony? Are you staying on? What's Rodney's up? Rodney's not here.